just jumping in really quickly at the start of today's episode to tell you about some upcoming opportunities to see us live in the flesh. And you can see us live at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival 2024. We are doing three live podcasts on Sundays at 3.30 at Basement Comedy Club, April 7, 14 and 21. You can get tickets at dogoonpod.com. Matt, you're also doing some shows around the country. That's right. I'm doing shows with Saren Jaimana, who's been on the show before. We're going to be in Perth in January, Adelaide in February, Melbourne through the festival in April and then Brisbane after that. I'm also doing Who Knew It's in Perth and Adelaide. Uh, details for all that stuff at mattstewartcomedy.com. Hello and welcome to Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky and I am sitting here with a man that I like to call Matt Stewart. Hello, Matt. That's me, that's me obviously. Yeah, great. And uh, Matt, exciting news this week. Yeah, what's up? Well, usually I would introduce a third person to the equation now called Jess Perkins. Yeah, just yeah, you should do that for sure. Should inter- Can't wait till she gets here. Oh, oh God. <laughs> it's going to be great. I don't know how to tell Matt, but I'm, Matt, Jess is not coming this week. What? She is away, so I've brought in one of my bestest buds to Can't fill wait in. till he gets here. Fill in this week. Could you please welcome our first ever guest of the show? It's Mr. Nick Mason. Hello, Nick. Hello. Oh, oh thank you. Unexpected. Thank you very much. Wasn't, Matt, wasn't please clap that. a bit louder. Oh. Are you on audible clap? Clap on mic, please. Thank, thank you. you. Otherwise, it sounds yeah. like one man clapping, which was me. Great to be here. Um, So... Uh, just to ease the transition for you guys, I have decided to dress as Jess Perkins. Yes, you are wearing a very Jess Perkins-style jumper. I'm wearing her signature yellow jumper. She'll get it back after the recording. That's, well, you look I, really good in it, Nick. Thank you. So. I imagine all future guests will be having to wear Jess's hand-me-downs. I hope so. You know, I mean, assuming that we'd ever need another guest. Well, Jess is on Roadshow now. Well, that's Comedy right. so Festival Roadshow. We should, just for context, Jess is um, become a comedy superstar since... Starting this podcast, I will say. I will say that. Yeah. Since Matt and I invited her to be the third person on the show. And correlation does imply causation. She she has, exactly. She has overshot both of us, the original members of the show, (laughs) and become a comedy superstar touring as part of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival Roadshow around Australia. So... We've got in uh, you, Meso. You are one of our friends in real life. Friends in real life. But also, you the do highest compliment one can receive. You uh, you listen to the show. <laughs> I do. I'm a big fan. Yeah. Point, and you also do your own podcast. Ah, uh, it's called the Weekly Planet. Yeah, Weekly Planet, which is a really good podcast. Exactly. Oh, stop it! Stop saying how good I am, guys. It's because it's it's my perfect kind of podcast because it's about a thing I really like but don't understand at all. You know, which is is the superheroes in. The cinemas. Oh, super! That's a perfect, is that kind of what it is? That's a perfect yeah. explanation. It's about the superheroes in the cinemas. Yeah. 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 So, so we'll talk about a big blockbuster. We'll talk about a, a, a TV show. You know, yeah. just the stuff that makes up life. And it's all the stuff, and I like, and then they explain things that <laughs> I didn't get were important in those things. It's, it's the best. I'm just like I pretty. I'm, I've enjoyed uh, Batman versus Superman. And then I get to listen to the Weekly Planet and find out why I shouldn't have enjoyed shouldn't it. Shouldn't have enjoyed it. You're a bad person. <gasps> why you should, that why you should retract your own opinions <laughs> yeah. to yourself. Don't have an opinion. Don't don't have an opinion until somebody on the internet tells you what that opinion should be. That's always been my rule. Good. That's a good rule. Mm. And I mucked up with that one because it turns out I was the only person in the world that, who that enjoyed, enjoyed that movie. Um, 
mate, oh, you're not alone. I know a lot of people who have enjoyed Apart, it. Like, there are things I didn't enjoy, like the... Uh, I was going to say the Riddler, but it's not the Riddler. It's the uh, other, the main bad guy who... The Joker. Not the Joker. <laughs> yeah, I also thought you'd Sup- confuse the Riddler. Superman bad guy. Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor. Uh-huh. Yeah. He was really annoying. <laughs> but I think... Not the Riddler. Not. No. No. <laughs> Um, but I think he was annoying just because I think I think I just don't like that actor that much. Not Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, not his fault. But I mean, he was just uh-huh. sort of Jesse Eisenberg in it. Yeah, well, he that that version of the character is based on a real life person, uh, Max Landis, who's a screenwriter, and that's like that's, Hang that's on, a pitch so perfect impression. I of haven't him. seen. Oh, right. So he, yeah, so he's a really good actor. I just yeah. found that character quite annoying. So I, say, I haven't seen the movie, but. They've decided to base a supervillain on one of their friends that also writes movies. Yes. That what, is what happened there. Is that an ultimate compliment or is that very offensive that one of the most famous bad guys of all time, they're like, no, no, screw his backstory. We're going to make it about you, you, you narcissistic you're definitely, bastard. You're definitely worse than a man who's repeatedly <laughs> tried to destroy the world. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, there's something just nice about him, but you, yeah. you don't have any redeeming qualities. <laughs> Not at all. Oh God, yeah. remember that script you wrote? Jesus. Oh boy. Right. Well, well, that's weird. Well, see, <laughs> see, they're the kind of things you don't you don't know if you're known. just watching it. I want to know. So that's why you are here, mate. So you are a triple threat. Let's just recap. You are <laughs> one of our friends. Threat number, number one. Uh, IRL. Threat yeah. number two. In, re- in, re- in real life, that's right. Threat number two. You know the show that you're about to yeah. be on. This one, which you are already on. I'm, I'm a, on it right now. And that's a threat, that's apparently. That's a threat, yeah. Number three, you are an expert in a field that Matt and I have been interested in, but have been too scared to dabble in on this show. Yes, we've had it in it's in the hat a bit, and we've repeatedly had people request any sort of uh, superhero-based topics. Have you explained what this show is yet, Dave? We've explained what Meso's show is. Should you... and to explain everything back together, threat oh. number four coming from my mouth. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> This He's show, gonna bash us. Actually, I imagine we might have some people that have never heard the show, maybe that have come across from your, oh, your, sure, maybe, your yeah. podcast. So what happens is on this show, usually Matt, Jess, or I take it in turns to research a topic, then report back to the class on the topic. Mm. And um, we hoped that maybe we could invite you to actually report to Matt and I. So usually um, for the show to start the report, mm-hmm. the person giving the report has a question that they post the others. And I imagine this week you're going to have some sort of superhero-based question to get us onto whatever topic you've chosen in that realm. Yeah, okay. Look, uh, well, my question was going to be, and is, uh, what company 20 years ago uh, had to file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy? They were a company that were selling their own filing cabinets just to pay the rent. Oh, ANSET. ANSET Australia? (laughs) You're very close. You're nearly there. Is it more superhero-based? I imagine more superhero-based. Yeah, but but now they have a they're behind a film franchise that has at this point i think a revenue of 18 billion dollars so, so it's a billion turned a, around billion with a b billion with a b yeah think okay. about how many filing cabinets you could buy with a billion dollars oh, 18 billion 18 at least really billion cabinets. dollar yeah. yeah, that's right it's a solid gold yeah. so i imagine there aren't very many options here you <laughs> you've got dc Correct. maybe you've yeah. got uh, marvel the, uh, sony did the what the spider man oh, yeah that yeah. makes it conf- so there's, because there's, oh, would, this is confusing. Hopefully you'll be able to explain this, Mesa. But there's yes. Sony, which is, is that Fantastic Four? No. That's, uh, that's Fox. Okay, that's Fox. Fox. So Fox is Fantastic Four. Fox, Sony is Sony. Spider-Man. Sony is Spider-Man, yeah. Marvel, Marvel the Cinematic. <laughs> then there's, then there's DC Warner Brothers. The answer, guys, is Marvel. Marvel. It's, it's okay, Marvel. Okay. <laughs> it's is Marvel. that true? They were selling filing cabinets. Yeah. So in so there's a there's a comic book art, uh, writer called Brian Michael Bendis, and he's done 
I think he's done the most. He's written the most issues of Spider Man. He's written like three hundred issues of Spider Man, and he started in nineteen ninety six. And when he came with the 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 Marvel bullpen, sort of their office sort of areas, sort of known as this. It's kind of this wild party situation. Everybody's friends and everybody's having a great time. And he went in expecting that. And he went in and, and there was just like all the like it was all dark except for like one strip of like benches and, and desks oh. with a few people working there. This is in nineteen ninety six and like a big pile of filing cabinets in the corner and like near the door and he's like, What's what's going on there? And they're like Oh, we have to sell those. We're thro- <laughs> we're, every, any fixture we don't need is going out the door so we can pay the rent this month. Fuck. So, yeah. Because Marvel is one of those giants where, like, it seems like it's been a success story forever. Yeah, like, right? When you th- there's, you know, if, if you've seen a Transformers movie, it seems like those movies have been going forever and it's this billion-dollar juggernaut kind of thing. But, like... In the nineties, like that was that was on its last legs. Like they were producing little action figure transformers that didn't transform. Like just as this last ditch attempt to kind of right. trying to cash in on yeah, the... trying to catch it, cash in on you know whatever non transforming like, you know. transformers. Transformers, yeah. Mm. What? So you'd have to buy a separate transformed toy, and then if you were playing with it, you <laughs> yeah. have to throw one behind <laughs> your back, whip it out, and go. <laughs> yeah. Look, now it's a police car. Yeah. You need to impl- employ a little bit of misdirection and then yeah. switch <laughs> him out. Yeah. Well, that was pretty quick, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, right. Now it's a tank. But yeah, so Marvel, like, Marvel is one of those. It, it's it's an institution now, like and but yeah, it, it's it's had a rocky, it's had a very rocky road. Well, and uh, so th- that was when this guy Ryan Michael Bendis, yeah. Bendis was starting out, and yeah. he he, st- he stayed for a long time. He did, yeah, yeah. yeah he's kind of a uh, he, he's you know he's he's plotting a lot of the universe sort of right now. It's uh, it's 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 his universe in a way. Yeah. Right. Now he owns the filing cabinets. Yeah, he gets, he gets as many filing cabinets as he wants. Yeah. Did but they I mean, lose yeah. anything important, like classic original copies of the things and, and stuff? Artwork and I imagine whatnot? they just took them out of the filing cabinets oh, and put them on the floor. Right. So, yeah. Oh, shit, all those first editions were inside that filing <laughs> cabinet sold for $18. That, I mean, that's kind of, you know, oftentimes you'll hear about somebody just, you know, unearthing a filing cabinet at, a, at an auction or something, you know, at just a, a used goods auction and it's got first edition copies of something in it. And it's, it's not unheard of. Right. Yeah. Right. So what you're telling us is we should be buying filing cabinets. Yes, exactly. Invest in filing cabinets is Matt, my... Let's do it. <laughs> I know what we're doing tomorrow. Anyway, so Marvel Comics. Great. So, so Marvel Comics, it's a great topic. Yeah, so look, if we, if we want to start talking about Marvel Comics, we should probably start talking about just comics in general. So comics is sort of the redheaded stepchild of just the art world. Like, they've never had... Any... What, is that a positive thing? Yeah, Matt says with his big red beard uh, looking at us. Ah, look... Look, they've they, they've never had the love they've deserved. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, you know I, I what I mean. Look, yeah, they've, yeah, never, sure. they've never had the respect they deserve, and I think initially it's because comic books started. You know, newspapers had comic strips, and comic books started essentially as collections of comic strips that had been sent into newspapers that weren't good enough to be in the newspaper. Right. And if you've ever read a comic strip in a newspaper, <laughs> they're not that great. Look, from time to time, there's a good one. But Robot saying, Man. So the you remember one, Robot Man? The ones that couldn't make it in. Yeah. Compiled. Compiled, yeah. Mm. And just sort of bound up and, and put out there for, you know, five cents or something like often that. Often, yeah, it feels like they're just incomplete thoughts, those things. Often they are. Often, it, especially if it's a, a sequential one, because it's like one panel of, like, what happened yesterday. Yeah, what happened last week? <laughs> and yes. then one panel of action, and then look what's coming around the corner for next time. Yes, yeah, so it's like one then, panel a day. Yeah, right? It's a sweet con. Mm. Eventually, some quality stuff started getting put into the mix. There was a, there was a, a character called the Yellow Kid in sort of... 
the late 19th century, and he was sort of like a he was like a street urchin. <laughs> Matt has reeled back. Is it vaguely racist? It's not racist. No, he's called the Yellow Kid because he wears like a he wore like a really oversized yellow nightshirt. Is that us? Us? Is that us being racist for? I guess it is. Well, it was that era, so it could have been. But just that's what you heard, I heard fears. yellow, and I heard yeah. late 19th century, yep. and I thought, oh dear. Yes, but he was sort of this street urchin, and he had adventures. Please de- define. Look, I'm, you're going to have to stop a few times throughout the show and define uh-huh. these nerdy comic book terms. What the hell is a street urchin? You know, a little, a little, a little kid. He's a, he's a youth and he lives, lives out on the street. He just hangs out with his, with his strange little, little friends. I was imagining some sort of sea anemone. Oh, sure, right. No, just a little, little street tough kind of character. Oh, sorry about that. And, and he, like his, his, um, this strip was, it was in uh, William Randolph Hearst's uh, newspaper. It was in uh, Joseph Pulitzer's newspaper. And kind of was like it was like super super popular, and it, it was so popular that it sort of gave rise to the term yellow journalism. Like that's where that term comes from because people oh. would be like, "Oh, what newspapers do you read?" And they're like, "Oh, the yellow, the yellow newspapers," because they were the newspapers that had the yellow kid in them. And oh. so that eventually, be- and because you know Pulitzer and Hearst were known for like these sensationalist you know stories that not necessarily to do with the truth, they were like, "Oh, it's yellow journalism" kind of thing, and that's that's where that term comes from. But anyway, so eventually, they, all these strips were collated into. Like a, this, this first, you know, sort of proto-comic book of the Yellow Kid. And that kind of sort of kicked it off a little bit. So that was a big seller. That was, quite that was a big seller. And it was like, oh, finally, there's a little bit of quality to this. I'm surprised it goes so far back. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, comics sort of... Comics, but comics as a medium of, like, original content... Of not just collating the strips so that, that that happened sort of 1933-ish. So we're going to skip... We're going to skip a few decades. Basically in about... I want to say about 1935... We had a company called uh, National Allied Publications. Some of this might be a little dry, but we'll see how we go. Um, Love it. And they they produced their first comic book of all original material. It's called uh, New Fun Comics, and it had like, you know, it was an anthology. So it was like, you know, uh, it was there was some prose story, there was some you know funny animal comics, and there was some like swashbuckler, daring do kind of musketeer kind of characters. There was like a an occult detective called Doctor Occult. Uh, who was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster, um, who later, like a couple of years later, went on to create Action Comics number one, uh, the character of Superman. Oh. Maybe you've heard of him? Yes, I uh-huh. yeah, definitely have. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Second only to the yellow kid in my house. <laughs> I know, right? I noticed those two posters on the way in. Yeah, that's right. One is a lot bigger than the other. Yellow mm. kid. Uh-huh. him. So that sounds like a real mishmash, though. It's just like the variety show of comics. Yeah, it was kind of like throwing stuff at a wall. Trying to seeing, tick every box. Seeing what stuck. But Superman huh? was the first... You like first... this? You like this? Yeah, Superman was the, the first thing to really change this universe. Because like prior to this, you'd had like almost every comic... Like We're talking you know, swashbucklers and musketeers and stuff like that. But it was almost always like a regular human character. Maybe he's a detective. He's got some you know blazing forty five automatics kind of thing. He's just kind of... You know, it's, a, it's more or less a regular guy, but Superman, he was this character, looked like a circus strongman, he could leap tall buildings in a single bound, you know. So I did want to ask this, yes. Superman, obviously, big deal, now you say to most people, su- superhero, Superman probably comes to mind first. Uh-huh. Was he, so he was an instant success? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, this was, this was a phenomenon, this is something people had never seen. And before. so he was the first ever superhero? Yes, he was the, f- he was the first of that mould. You'd have characters like The Shadow... You know, who are now we'd call them more mystery men. Yeah, yeah. There's technically like a character who sort of bridges the gap. He's called the Crimson Avenger, and he was like he was sort of somewhere in the middle. He had like a like a red suit and a red trench coat, and he kind of sort of cape-like. He was kind of 
somewhere in the middle. But most people are like, the golden age of comics kicked off with, with Superman. You know when you see uh, those images of man evolving from oh, like, yes. monkey to man? Like, uh -huh. it starts with this sh <laughs> crimson dude. <laughs> Slow no, the ye yellow yeah. kid, I think. Yellow kid, mm. growing up a little bit, turning into... What was the, the Shadow Man? The Shadow. The Shadow. The Shadow Man, I like to call him oh, in my absolutely. house. We've got nicknames for all the superheroes. You'll probably hear a few of those throughout <laughs> the show when I misremember people's names. Then it's the Crimson, then it's the Superman. Yeah. So, okay, anyway, but so, when do you go from there? Yeah. Well, where you go from there is you go to a guy called Martin Goodman. Uh, he was the son <laughs> of some Lithuanian immigrants. Oh, now uh, that is a recipe for a superhero. I know, right? So he was the eldest of 13 children. You're from a big family, Matt. I am, yeah. Mm. Well, my, my dad is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. family of 13. And oh. do you think? And Lithuanian is your yeah, nation. Oh right. my god! Yeah. Well, it says eldest of thirteen recorded children, so who knows? Yeah, yeah, all my all my uncles and aunties have been recorded. Oh, that's definitely yes. Yeah. I think it's me. You're Spider Man. <gasps> Is this true? We're about to talk about Spider-Man? No, that, that comes away. Oh, later. right, damn. Yeah. Uh -huh. so, uh, sorry, he... I'm sorry to get your hopes up yeah, there, Matt. So... You're a Lithuanian man. <laughs> so he's, he grew up in the Great Depression. He grew up... He lived in a lot of hobo camps. I always find it funny that they call it the Great Depression. Right? Doesn't, Doesn't sound, sound like a fun time from all accounts I've read. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Please do go on. Oh, sorry. So, uh, in, but, so he, he, he just sort of drifted across the United States. But in 1929, he was hired by a company called Eastern Distributing Corporation to work in like a, like a, like a magazine publishing company. And he sort of learned some of that, that sort of skill, I guess. And it didn't help him a lot because like three years later, that company went bankrupt and he was sort of out on the street again. But um, he, sort of, he sort of learned that skill and he sort of picked up a, he picked up a lot of that skill and he kind of became sort of an aspiring businessman and he, he got into publishing kind of thing. And he was... He saw the success of Superman. He's like, okay, I've got to jump on this. I've got to jump on this, this superhero phenomenon. And he founded a company called Timely Publications. Um, and basically what would happen in a lot of cases with like, comic book companies is they didn't, they didn't have an in-house team. What they had is they, had a, a comic, they, they hired a comic book packager, which was basically like an off-site team of people who just wrote and drew stuff at home. And you would just call them up and you'd be like, I need... I need some superheroes, I need some, some characters, I need some funnies, I need some one-panel jokes, stuff like that. Just put some together for me and just, just well, chuck so them over. So they're just throwing ideas at just them. Just throwing like, ideas uh, at them, yeah, yeah. Telephone, man, that'll do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> put right? it together. Yeah, and so... See you Monday. He put together a test comic uh, called Marvel Comics Number 1. And this, this is in 1939. And so where did he get the word Marvel from? Is this, is this something like he just like thought that sounds like a great idea marvel comics that'll do yeah. marvel marvelous yeah. right it's all about fantastical uh -huh. is that what it because that's kind of what I, marvel's not a really big big word apart from like if you hear marvel now it just means yeah but you can marvel at something no that's totally true, yeah. you totally can but no one really uses it like that anymore but i think it's now just owned by comics so i wonder if it was just more common back then it might have been. It is definitely very snappy. I think it's just something you pulled out of the air. Is is was DC around at this stage? Yes, the Did, national. Uh... So D Superman was DC from the start. Yes, they were called National Allied, and a couple of uh, what happened is a couple of years later uh, they produced a comic called Detective Comics, right. uh, which and Detective Comics number twenty seven was the first appearance of Batman, and that kicked right off. People are people are hugely in favour of that. Yes. and then there was some sort of ownership shake up. And, like, one guy left and one guy was replaced and all that sort of thing. So they put the company back together and they're like, well, let's call it Detective Comics. Oh, right. They, they reformed make, the band without the drama sort exactly. of thing. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly what happened, yeah. Gotcha. Mm. I'm a I'm Batman or Superman? I'm a Batman guy. 
I'm also a Batman guy. What about you, Dave? Uh, I'll definitely pick a Batman over a Superman. Yeah, that's interesting. Is that common? A lot of people find Superman really, really boring. Yeah, I think that's that's the key. My main beef. Yeah, if you say if you say why is Superman. Uh, who's, your, who's your least favourite superhero? Most people say Superman. You say, why? And it's because he's, he's a one-dimensional goody-two-shoes and he's boring and nothing can hurt him except kryptonite. Now, yeah. yes. if we do say that, would you come back at us and say that's correct or do you think that well, as a what, bigger fan yeah, look, of comics? I, I am a big, I'm a big fan. I, I'm actually a big, big fan of Superman. What happened, The problem with Superman is that, that, like all those things that I've just said, they were also a problem for the writers of Superman. Like, it's hard to have him, like throw some planets around in one issue and then the next issue he's fighting some bank robbers and he's having trouble fighting the bank robbers. Yeah. You're like, why is like how do you how do you write around that? And that was really difficult. So like in the in the eighties, um, DC had this event called Crisis on Infinite Earths and where basically they went, Okay, we're gonna make some changes to this, we're gonna simplify everything. There's too much stuff in our universe. We'll just we'll have this event happen and we'll change everything. And what they did is they depowered Superman quite significantly. Like he was still a very powerful character. But he wasn't, like, if you hit him hard enough, it'd hurt. It didn't have to be, like, a kryptonite bullet or a, right. you know, what have you. What happened is that they never really told the people who made the movies. Because they made the Christopher, uh, the Christopher Reeve Superman in 1979. And he was this one who could fly around the world and reverse time and, and do all these crazy things. And I guess they were like, well, we can't really change it now. So in the movies, he's always been this guy who can do anything. And that's not really very exciting. But the comic book version, like... They went, okay, he doesn't have those many powers. Let's give him more depth as a character. And and that's still true to this day in comic book world? Yeah, it is, yeah. Oh, right. That's yeah. interesting. But just not in like not in the movies still. Yeah, oh, they've, they've gone more of a way to it, I think, in these last couple of movies. Right. Whether people enjoy them as movies or not is remains to be seen. No, that's right. I, I mean, mean, not really. Well, a lot of people hate them. But yeah, yeah. Only one person has enjoyed them and is sitting in this room He's sitting right in now. this room, yeah. Well, I mean, it was very long and I'd say <laughs> I, I enjoyed... Yeah, I enjoyed more than half of it. Mm. So that's like that's a that's a good time. Is that, a, is that a, a good review? If you saw a movie <laughs> and you enjoyed fifty one percent of it, well, I'd that's I'd say pass. I'd say sixty five percent of it. That's an even better pass. That is that's, mm. a, that's a credit. It's a C minus maybe. Yeah, mm. yeah. So anyway, Marvel Comics number one had uh, some characters uh, like the Human Torch. Oh, not, not the original, not the the Fantastic Four Human Torch. The original Human Torch. It was an android. Okay. Different character. The human torch was an android. The original one was, yeah. That's he was confusing. created in a lab. He was, uh, yeah. Could oh. he still flame on? Yes, he could. Yeah. Did he say the words flame on? Yes, he's, from time to time he did. Oh, yes. that's cool. Yeah. So, but he was. So he's an android. He's Correct. not human. Was he a torch? Did, could he could he flick on or not? Was he like a dolphin torch? Yeah, yeah in, was, in many ways was he was. He, he was okay. more of a battery yeah. powered. So a half of his <laughs> name was true. Yeah, he was a torch. Okay. <laughs> so he's certainly t- not human. He was good in an emergency, well, I don't know but what like to kept on top of the fridge. Yeah. Great. Um, uh, also, another character in there was Namor the Submariner, who was sort of an Aquaman-style character. He's still in use today. Namor. Namor the Submariner. Is he some a, sort of android? No, he's a he's from the uh, Lost City of Atlantis. Oh, he's from the he's he's a submariner. Yeah, correct. That means he's from below the. Imagine mariner. like a like a like a like a mighty man wearing like green <laughs> green swim trunks. And he's got little wings on his on his ankles that enable him to fly. Kieran, Kieran Perkins. Yeah, it's Kieran Perkins with little wings on Knew his. It. On his... <laughs> I was going to say, I just imagined myself. Was, he, uh, was Kieran Perkins based on him? I think so. Yeah. Makes yeah. sense. He trained every day, thinking you are Namor. One day I'm going to be. Um, one day I'm just going to leap out of this pool and just fly. So Namor the Submariner was actually the first character, the first superhero who could fly, because up until this point, 
Superman was just a leap tall buildings in a single bound guy. Oh. He hadn't yet gained the big jumper. Yeah, it was a big more oh, of a he, jumper. He, right. Yeah. Was he already from um, the planet? The planet Krypton. Krypton. He was. He was from the planet Krypton. Um. Uh. Yeah. He was. And he grew up on a farm all the, the whole no, time. No, the original incarnation of Superman arrived on Earth as an as an adult man. Right. He still pretended to be mild-mannered reporter Clark Kent. What happened is, lady is, uh, some people email, uh, emailed. People didn't email. They sent a letter like they did back in the day. And they said, hey, what was, Super, what was Superman like as a boy? And they're like, well, we should do the adventures of Superboy. And so they created these additional stories of him. And they're like, okay, well, he arrived on Earth as an infant and he was raised by the Kents. And, and when he was a kid, he had adventures as Superboy. Because that added something to it, right? That whole growing up on it as a simple farmer. I think so, yeah. Mm. That gave him some... Yeah, it gave some, him some good old-fashioned yeah, family values. And some yeah. farming cred. Yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> exactly. He always had a, a labouring job mm. just in case things went wrong at the yeah. journalism mm. factory. <laughs> Technical term. Thank you. Mm. So Marvel, the Marvel Comics number one. So actually, to give you some background, nowadays if you, if you publish a comic book and it sells thir- maybe 30,000 copies, that is, that is knocked out of the park. That is, if you've bloody hit it for six. That so that's a like great... a, pl- a platinum album. That's a, yeah, that's, a good, that's a good result. So the first issue of Marvel Comics... Uh, in 1939, uh, sold 80,000 copies, and nice. then they were like, "Well, we've sold out. We'll sold. We'll we'll reprint it again." And then they sold 800,000 copies. So that's oh, so that's pretty impressive. Well, so Namor and Human Torch were very popular. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they very quickly got their own titles. What what basically happened is Goodman's like, "Okay, I'm onto a good thing here. I've I've made my money back from Funnies Incorporated. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make this in house." So what he did is he went to the staff at Funnies Incorporated, and he was like, I'm going to grab some people out of this. So he get he got uh, this uh, writer called Joe Simon, uh, who he wanted as the editor of his, his comic book company, and he got a guy called Jack Kirby, who's... Oh, I've heard of him. He's, see, he's very important in the, uh, in the world of... Uh, in the world of... Comic, comic books. books as, uh, Marvel, especially. And he also got... Uh, he had... Uh, his cousin by marriage was a 16-year-old kid looking for work at the time, uh, and he really needed a job, and so he moved across country to work uh, at at Timely Publications, and his name was Stanley Lieber. Oh, uh, who's probably better known as Stan Lee. And he was only oh, s- oh, I've heard of him. Yeah, and he was only sixteen when he joined the, the comic yeah. world. So he grew up sort of in the Upper West Side of Manhattan, uh, sort of you know middle class. Um, and he'd offer. He's he's later said, you know, it's it's the feeling the most important thing for a man is to have work to do, to be busy, to be needed. Like that was his philosophy. And he, so he was, he, he did a you know, a few little jobs. He, he wrote advanced obituaries for the news. So like, just in case people would die. In case famous celebs die. Yeah, okay, exactly. He'd, he'd write those in advance. He did publicity for a hospital, I think. Uh, <laughs> oh, he, dear. he worked in a, like a theater project. Um, but yeah, so his cousin was married to Martin Goodman. Uh, and he was, you know, in the comic book world. So he got a gig as like their, their gopher. You know, just just around the office doing you know bits and pieces, um, and he sort of almost immediately started writing scripts for this you know this new business. So, and he would sign them Stanley as opposed to Stanley Lieber. He he'd said that his anecdote has always been that he wanted to save his real name for when he would write the great American novel. Oh, so he so was cool. like, look, it, 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 so Stanley. Uh, if if you've never if you don't know anything about Stanley, you've probably still still seen Stanley. Like if you've seen a Marvel movie, you've seen Stan Lee because he's in almost all of them. He's got a, he's a, he's like a, he's an old man. He's got like aviator sunglasses and like a caterpillar mustache, and he speaks in a New York accent. And he appears in the Marvel movies at some point. Like there's always a countdown until he appears 
in the movies. Like, a friend of mine recently uh, went and saw Deadpool at the, you know, one of the Marvel movies at uh, the cinema. It was during the school holidays. And he, you know, it was filled with, you know, teenage kids or whatever. And he sits down and he looks to his left and a couple of seats to his left, there's like a, like a 60-year-old woman probably and like her 85, 90-year-old mum. And he's like, oh no, they've stumbled into this by mistake. Oh like, this no. Is, this is... If, if, and the, you know, this, this is not in, the best exotic yeah. Marigold Hotel right. too. And exactly. And like ten minutes in, there's been like language and sex and people being decapitated and what have you. And he's like, oh. suddenly this becomes the new movie. Just right. turning over to watch. Yeah. Their That's reaction. right. And he's like, oh, I'm so this is this is uncomfortable for me. This must be uncomfortable for them. They can't leave. What have you? And then all of a sudden, it goes to a strip club, and like the the owner of the strip club, Stan Lee, and the and the the sixty year old woman goes, look, mom, it's Stan Lee. And they're like, yay! <laughs> so like he's this. Yeah. He, he's um. He, he's, a, he's a character. You can't really talk about Marvel without talking about Stanley for good or ill. Um, oh, is there ill? There, there is a little bit of ill. We'll, we'll get to it in a little bit. Cool. But, um, so he started writing scripts for this. Um, so in 90, about 1940, 1940 um, Jack Kirby and Joe Simon, they created a character originally to be called Super American. Uh, but uh, instead, they, uh, Joe Simon was like, man, there's too many super characters already. Uh, so we'll make this guy Captain America. So in 1940, they released Captain America. This is... This is before America enters the war. So this is like a year before Pearl Harbor was bombed. But the, like the war has started. But the first issue, uh, the cover is him punching Hitler. Like that's... They've sta- <laughs> they've started Hitler! Out, yeah, they've started out strong. Man, Hitler! Yeah. Um, and that sold a million copies. So that was... Oh, man. That was I... a strong start. Like immediately, like a million copies. Um, and they had a market in that era, yeah, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so, so Stanley became this gopher at this place. He's, he was writing scripts. Um, and he meets Jack Kirby, and so the story goes that, uh, you know, Stanley is this, you know, he's this really cheerful guy, he's really animated, he's, you know, he, he leaps around the office, he plays an ocarina in the office, that was, I don't know if you know what an ocarina is, it's a little... Well, pan pipes or it's something? It's a little pan pipe kind of situation. Oh, man. Uh, fans of The Legend of Zelda will know it from the game, The Ocarina of Time, it's a little... It's a little, little. He, and he plays that. He played it in the. He played it in the office. Oh, uh, no wonder he was hit with his sixty-year-old woman's Kirby mom. was Kirby was a you know quite a few years older, and he was just like hunched over his desk smoking a cigar. He's already was jaded from the. Ocarina. Yeah, exactly. And so sounds like Martin from The Simpsons just prancing around, around around with his loot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then Jack Kirby's like, oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> I'm so surprised. I'd forgotten about Stanley, but he, yeah, in my head, he he must have invented Marvel because you know it's weird that he gets that cameo and everything. It's like yeah. he is Marvel, but he wasn't necessarily, I guess. Yeah, well, he wasn't. Well, we'll get to it in a little bit, but I guess he was the he was the guy who stuck around the longest. Right. Like, so he started in you know 1939, uh, and so, he's still alive. Yeah, so, so, Amazing. and he, you know, and he would he provided some tweaks to the. You know, he would, he would write scripts and he'd provide some tweaks to stuff. Like he would, like Captain America, for example, um, he originally had like a like a, a shield that was shaped like a like a like a medieval kind of like a like a sh- that know, a classic sh- sort yeah, of like shield classic shape. shield. Yeah. And then uh, another company uh, who later became Archie Comics were like, "You can't use that. It's too similar to one of our characters, the Shield. You can't." So they had to change it. And <laughs> there then, can only be one superhero with a, a shield. shield, exactly. And so, and, and then, so they changed to this round shield, which is the one you see in the movies. And Stanley was like, "Okay, have it in this issue. You have him throw the shield, and it's like this kind of boomerang kind of like thrown weapon." And people are like, "Oh, that that'll catch on." And that's like that's now he's kind of that's Captain America's signature. So movie he's kind of like a Sydney Scheinberg type character. 
I don't know if you know familiar Sydney's work, but Dave. Oh yeah. He was the one who fixed up Back to the Future in some ways. Oh yeah, uh huh. Gave it some tweaks. Gave it some juice. Gave some some sweet cheek uh-huh. tweaks. Some of them didn't come off. No, that's right. He th- throws out fifty ideas, to hoping to get two good ones. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, in that's a way, the Sean Bird. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's it, the Sean Bird. Yeah. Work. Like all all Stanley, you know, for decades he's just been a sh- he's been a showman. Like he he puts a hundred percent into everything he does. Even the panpipes. Even the panpipes. Exactly. But like, so so Kirby and Simon who created. You know, Captain America. They, they, you know, they created it. They sold a million copies of the first issue, and then and Stanley's still giving them like tweaks as a, like a yeah, seventeen-year-old exactly. kid. Yeah, that's right. How about this? And and so Who the these, fuck are you, these two ran afoul of of Goodman. And they're like, you know what? We're out. We're going to leave. Who? Sorry, uh, uh, Kirby and Simon. Oh, they the creators of Captain America. They're like, you know what? We 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 need. You know, we want a little more, but you know, you're not giving us anything else. So we're just gonna we're gonna take off. But so basically, at this point. Stan Lee, who was 19, I think 18 or 19, uh, Goodman's just like, okay, you're the editor-in-chief now. You're the editor-in-chief wow. of, of, of Timely. And so he stuck around. You're there with the panpipes. <laughs> you're in charge. Like your moxie, you're in. Uh, and, he, and he held that position for basically two decades. Like, See, that's, that's, I like that. But yeah. also, you, you become the top dog at 19. We, you, you would expect by the age of 40 that you'll be the president or something and then of, of, the, of, of the country. Yeah, yeah. Right, and right, then in right, 20 exactly. years, you're like, Oh, still, still, that, still, still got that. Yeah, still got that nineteen-year-old job. And it like it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily like it was like twenty years left. That's a full career essentially. Uh, you don't think, but Stanley, I think is ninety-three. He doesn't feel like ninety-three. No. But he's he's been there since the beginning. But like, uh, except for like, there was three years he was in the army. So that was you know, that's a little. little... Yeah, right. I can't picture him in the army, but he, <laughs> right. I mean, he's on so many cameos. Yeah, he's exactly. played every different he profession. Could be, he could be a general. Yeah, yeah. So, but I think. He was never really. He was never a hundred percent happy there. Um, I think partly because Goodman was this trend chaser. Like so, after the war, superhero comics were a little bit were significantly in decline. Uh, so, I th- what, a superhero punching Hitler on the front cover is not selling as many. No, comics. exactly. And the the boss is like, "What's wrong? This yeah. used to be great. People <laughs> used to love this." Oh, you mean he's been punched to death oh we, oh okay so like <laughs> just punch him with the other hand yeah oh. so like um, so like even Superman and Batman fell out of fashion um, so for example like there was a company at the time who did a like they did a cops and robbers series it was called Crime Does Not Pay <laughs> and so Goodman was like oh well, we should come up so he, he was like okay we've got to make some knockoffs and so in response to Crime Does Not Pay he released Crime Must Lose exclamation <laughs> oh, mark oh my god Crime Can't Win that was another one uh, Lawbreakers Always Lose like that was kind of crime. It does not pay. Definitely does, it? does not pay. Yeah. So like, and so every time the wind shifted. So like in it feels like crime does pay if you can rip people off like that and make <laughs> a lot of right. money from it. Yeah. So like, uh, romance was big in like the late forties, like nineteen forty eight. Like romance and like teen adventures. Are you still like Marvel romance? Yeah. Yeah. Marvel. Things? Marvel. Again, when you think of Marvel, you like superhero, superhero, superheroes. Yeah. But it, like, it went through all kinds of. Really? Yeah, so like... Was there ever a weird porno phase? No, although I think at one point... Comic book porn? I think they had some sister companies that were into more like adult... We'll, we'll get to more adult stuff, I think, in a, like in a, in a couple of minutes. But like... Oh. So in the 1940s, there was all these romance... And t- because like also there was a company called Archie Comics. And it was like, you know, America's you know, most lovable teen. It's Archie Andrews kind of thing. And, and, he, and he was in a love triangle with Betty and Veronica and all, and all these... these you know, these fun little high school adventures. The Goodman was like, we need a character called Farchie. Well, well, that's the thing. Like, he created a character... Well, a character was created called Patsy Walker. Um, 
he was like, okay, Archie Andrews, like he has this red hair and it's got like specific crotch cross hatching in the hair. You should have her have that same cross hatching in the hair. Like he was he was a micromanager to that point where it's just like, okay. The secret must be in the hair to his success. Give her the same hair. Kind of thing. Fun fact for so you. So there's a maniac. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's a maniac. I've yeah. studied this, this comic pretty closely. And yeah. It's definitely the hair that's setting yeah. this fun Fun part. fact, uh, Patsy Walker from 1948, uh, still around as a character. She eventually became the superhero Hellcat. Uh, oh. And she's in, if you watch the Daredevil, uh, the, sorry, the Jessica Jones series on Netflix, she is that, in that played by Rachel Taylor. She's Trish Walker. Right, How... she's became Australian. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, what an evolution. Uh-huh. And what about the cross-hatching? Is it there? <laughs> yeah, it's no, great. she's blonde. There's no, no cross-hatching of any kind. Oh, Goodman they... would be rolling yeah, right? in his grave. I assume he's yeah. dead. I assume he's dead. He's yeah. dead, yeah. I hope, yeah, we hope he's um, dead. Yeah, so like, so Stanley was... Ju- uh, got to turn so... on some people. <laughs> with, with Jess not here, someone's got to hate yeah, people turn... out of nowhere. And turn, oh, good, okay. and turn on the dead. Yeah, turn, that's, that's her trademark. Yeah. <laughs> Hating on the dead. Punching people that can't fight back. Or accountants. Like, like Hitler. Like she, Hitler. She yeah. punches him all the Come time. Come on, Hitler! <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so romance in the 40s. Uh, horror comics were big in the 50s. Uh, so, um... Oh, is this true? Yes. That the Adams Family started as a comic book? No, it's I not. do not have the answer. Your face, says, <laughs> your face says I said something stupid. No, my face says I don't know. My face says I do not have the information available, so... Look, no, I'm, I embarrassed myself in front of a You know what? No, they were. You're right. They, they, were, they were a newspaper character, uh, strip, I think. Yeah. We could look that oh. up later, or somebody could email in and correct us, but yeah. uh, I'm Please not going to read that. <laughs> okay. Uh, horror, uh, in the 50s, the Western came back, so they did Western comics for quite a while. Um, the Rawhide Kid was a very popular Western character for Marvel. He came back... Uh, as sort of a, he came back very quite recently with a sort of a homoerotic subtext. Okay, it was good. A good, good fun, good fun series. Uh, and then through in, Marvel or fan fiction? Uh, through Marvel, uh, a few years ago had a had a imprint called Max, which was like, like this ain't your daddy's Marvel comics. It was kind of like, a, was that generally the tagline? Because that'd be amazing. Not really. No, this it was ain't like your daddy. it was like it didn't like it was kind of like you know all the safeties are off and they're swearing, they're sex, and there's you know et cetera and. It, but, you know, you said it was a fan fiction. Isn't that kind of what it's become anyway? Like, because it's... All these characters have been around for so long. Uh-huh. And it's, like, kids who grew up with it, fans... Yeah. Ended up there, ended up just doing official fan fiction, a lot of that it, That right? is a lot of... In a lot of cases, like, people who grew up as huge fans of these comic book characters, eventually, yeah, they, they got the writing skills, they got the artistic skills, and they're like, I want to work for Marvel or DC. Uh, often, a, a criticism that is often leveled at... Uh, some writers, especially, and you know, and Marvel and DC at at times, is that they always want to keep this status quo. Like certain characters never evolve right. because a cat, you know, a person's like, well, I grew up in the eighties, and you know, Green Lantern was like this, and so now, and and they go to work for DC, and the character moved on, and they're like, well, I'm I'm going to bring him back to how he was in the eighties, kind of thing, and yeah. so you know, there's that kind of. It's just nostalgia. Yeah, it's nostalgia in a way. I kind of, I would prefer, you know, characters that keep evolving. That keep evolving, but that's not. So, well, were these characters, the original characters, evolving? Like, is Captain America in the fifties becoming Western, or well, doing actually, a, like the erotic stuff, or are they, or are they staying true to superhero kind of stuff that we'd imagine? That's a very interesting question. Captain America didn't survive into the fifties. His uh, last two, the last two issues of his comic were called Captain America's Weird Tales, and Captain <laughs> America was not in them. They were just That's like, how weird it was. Yeah, they were, like, just, they were just horror suspense comics. He was on the cover of issue 74, but he was not in the issue, and he was not at all on the cover of seven, uh, 75. Did he that piss people in... off? 
Well, I think, you know, nowadays I'm sure it would have, uh, but... He was so unpopular that... Yeah, right? <laughs> if he was popular enough, he would have been in them, I'm imagining. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think, yeah. I mean, and also back in the day, comics were kind of disposable. Like, now when you think, uh, you know, Action Comics number one featuring Superman oh. is worth a million dollars, that's because when it came out, everybody read it and just immediately threw it away or wrapped the fish and chips up with it. And so, you know, in order for something to be collectible... Yeah. You, you there can't be to, many. Yeah, there can't be. They have to throw them away. People have to devalue them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's called, the, it's called the trough of no value. I learned this recently. That not only does something have to have no value, it has to have so little value that in like storing it in your house, that is costing you money. Right. Because it's taking up the space of collection of frig, fridge magnets or whatever. So you have to... You just. So it has to reach like... Negative value. Negative yeah. value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then eventually there's so little of it and time right. passes that it becomes super valuable. Right, exactly, yeah. But it so, also has to be something that people then care about again. Like, there'd be a lot of things like that that no one even thinks about now. Right, 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 exactly. Fuck. Yeah. I fucking love but this that's world. The thing, like, but, but people have become comic, so... I'm, I'm a comic book kid that just yeah. never had a comic book, what I What did you collect, though? Uh, footy records. Oh yeah, still oh, yeah. got still Great. got a couple of boxes the, of them. The trough of no value was yeah. deep in that respect. Yeah. Uh, so, so, ba- so basically, yeah. the the comics industry was in kind of you know through the fifties, the comic industry was kind of in a decline, and it's only twenty years old, less than. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it was you know up and down. Yeah, right. Well, what, well, what happened in the fifties? There was a guy called Frederick Wortham. He was a psychiatrist, and he um, he wrote a book called Seduction of the Innocent, and he sort of claimed that. Uh, there, there was a rise in juvenile delinquency and homosexuality and, you know, other bad things of the time. And he was like, the reason for this is popular media for kids. And so he was like... And then, so... Yeah, that Weird Tales edition of Captain America. Right, so wow, weird. really set the kids Chilling. Up. So, so um, there, were, there were... I mean, there were a few... There were quite a few... He, you know, there were a lot of examples in his book. It was kind of like the BuzzFeed list of its time. Like, check this out. Here's a little bit of commentary. Check this out. Here's a little bit of commentary on it. And some, there was a, there's a guy called... Uh, a publisher called Bill Gaines, and he created Mad Magazine, which, you know, is still around today. But he also created uh, a lot... He published a lot of, like, comics like Tales from the Crypt and these, like, horror comics and crime comics. And they were very lurid, and there was a lot of murder, and there was a lot of torture, and there was a lot of, you know, sexual attacks and all this sort of stuff. And like you know, you could argue, you could definitely argue, you know, that's that's not for kids. You shouldn't be just putting this on a you know a newsstand for kids to grab and, and take away. But at the same time, a lot of his examples were like, here's a here's a close up of a character's armpit, and it looks like a vagina. Oh, like that's yeah, obviously right. the like it's obviously you know this <laughs> subliminal message to children to you yeah, know right. whatever. And he was like, you know... Really or, searching. Yeah, or, or like this is, you know, here's Robin from Batman and Robin and he's standing, you know, arms akimbo and his legs are spread apart and he's thrusting his crotch at the reader, you know, mm. kind of thing. But, you know... Except, and, to say, me on. except to say, take me. Yeah, exactly. Take me, reader. Mm. So, basically, it's tough to... I mean, that certainly would have contributed to the decline this book, this kind of this moral panic of... Really? You have to, you know, you, you, your kids, you're ruining your kids' lives, they're becoming criminals because of, That's you know, just... all this been a thing forever though yeah right? yeah definitely every every, every every generation it's uh, video games now is what yes, they say exactly yeah it's just because and i you know not to not to get political on this but it's it's you know it, for parents i guess you go okay I, I want the idea that there's an off switch yeah. you know you get rid of this and then everything's going to be fine again yeah but it's not going to be fine no but anyway basically because of society yeah right yeah but, we uh, need to turn society off <sighs> do you reckon one day podcasts will become that no. Podcasts, are, no. podcasts are ruining children's minds. <laughs> They're staying in their rooms and 
the people who are making them are staying in their rooms. And yeah. Maybe it'll just be a society where no one interacts except via podcasts anymore. Yeah. So, oh. so anyway, um, this resulted in something called the Comics Code Authority, which was this super limiting kind of this set of rules that you could not break. No armpits that look like vaginas. No armpits that look like... No armpits oh, that which look is like what anything. I was looking at I'm not interested in anymore. Place. Yeah, right? <laughs> no. But it was this kind of... like It was, it was very limiting... Um, you know, so it was like no torture, no, you know, horrible mutilation or anything, which was fine. But then it was stuff like you could never end, you could never end an issue with, uh, character, like the bad guys ending up on top. So you could never have like an issue that ended on a cliffhanger because it was always, because then the bad guys were the winners kind of thing. You could never have like a, a character in a position of authority who turned out to be bad. So you could never have a cop on the take. You could never have a corrupt politician. Well, that would be, uh, you know, so unbelievable that kids... Yeah. They wouldn't understand. Oh, no, exactly. I just corrupt Matt, can you even imagine a corrupt police officer, Matt? No, it's no, impossible. It's I'm impossible. trying. Look, I'm trying. No. I'm trying real hard. And then, and then you're in your bloody early thirties, <laughs> and you can't do it. Imagine a fifteen-year-old little, little kid. Little kid, you're just you're just a sixteen-year-old kid being the editor in chief of Marvel Comics. You yeah. can't you can't understand it. Oh, um, but yeah, and it, 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 but it sort of went to the bizarre. It was like, okay, there's to be no mention of werewolves and ghouls and zombies and vampires. <laughs> Normal wolves are yeah. fine, but werewolves? Werewolves, they're, they're right out. I so, draw the line. Yeah, so, um, yeah, just I guess just in case kids were like, oh, I'd like to be a, a ghoul. <laughs> I'd like to be I'll, a werewolf. I'd kill myself and become a, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to be a ghoul. Yeah, right? I really like the idea of being a ghoul. Yeah, I mean, eventually... <laughs> when I grow up, I'd like to be a ghoul. <laughs> eventually, it, these, these rules were sort of rescinded. Um... Or like, like you know, modified a little bit. I so, honestly think we should bring them back. Yeah, no, right. Get now, these. that would sort out Captain... So, yep, <laughs> Captain Batman versus Captain Superman. Right, yeah. If so, I had so, my way. <laughs> As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. If it's your first ever website or your business is expanding... Not in a way that's like, oh, my God, it's expanding, like, yeah, yeah. More physically. Like it's growing, more customers, yes. more interest. Not like it's going to explode. Yeah, not like it's a building that's, like, blowing up and yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. And I don't think they mean for marriage. You can sell your products on an online store, whether you sell physical or digital products or you offer services like massage. 
or oh. nails. Oh my gosh. Or uh, consulting. Should we, after this, get Manny Petty? <laughs> Babe, I've already booked us in. <laughs> um, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. You know, what about blogging tools, you yeah. might be asking? I like to blog. I love to blog. I like to blog. I like to vlog. Yes. Well, Squarespace has powerful blogging tools to share stories, photos, videos, and updates. You can categorize, you can share, and schedule to make your content work for you. Scheduling is the best. Oh, yeah. it looks like Jess has just uploaded something. What? It, but it's like 3 a.m. in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the exact time I wanted to do it in New York City, baby. Exactly. Capture that New York market. Yeah. You mentioned vlogging as well. If you're into vlogging, you can organize your video library, showcase your content on beautiful video pages, sell access to your videos with member areas. The possibilities are endless. Now head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain. So, um, like, you know, later Marvel Comics created like Blade the Vampire Hunter. And the, the Wesley guys, Snipes. Wesley Snipes, yes, exactly. They, they created Wesley Snipes. They created, they created his career, certainly, and then they crushed it. <laughs> crushed it. He, but, uh, he so, went to jail. But, like, at, yeah, he did, for tax evasion. Yeah, for, like, five years yeah, right? for tax evasion. Yeah. Did he do something else bad? Most celebs that get done for passenger tax evasion. Passenger 57. Mm. Five mm. years for Passenger 57. Yeah. Always bet on black. Correct. No, I, that's, I only say that because that's a thing I know he did, mm. uh, but it, it was a good movie. Yeah, definitely. He, he took him down. Demolition Man, also great. Yeah, mm. he did a lot of good stuff. I was going to say, um, so yeah, so yeah, so they eventually rescinded it, but at the time, like the, these were so strange. So the guy who created uh, a Blade, it's a guy called Marv Wolfman, uh, many years prior, like during this uh, comic book, like, during this Comic Code Authority shenanigans, like one time he submitted like a comic book to this authority, and they sent it back, and they're like, "This is unusable. You can't." It was like some sort of tales of suspense horror kind of kind of thing, and. They're like, and he's like, why can't you use it? And they're like, title page, look at that. And armpit vagina. Yeah, no, well, see, that's the thing. Like, he he had he had wanted a like a credit, like on the you know written by you know art by etc cetera, etc. Cetera. But his name his name's Marv Wolfman, and his last name's spelt Wolfman. And so they're like, you can't say Wolfman in a comic book. <laughs> and, he's, and they're like, oh, so it was that it was that stringent. Um, and is that his real name? Yeah, it's Marv Wolfman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is. So, that's one of the best things I've ever heard. Yeah, right? So, no, that's so, my real name. No, it's not. No, it's not. You can't, you're not allowed to use it. So, yeah, so this... Your name makes me think. You're dangerous to the kids. So, so in the 50s, comic books got... They got less violent, but they certainly got weirder because I guess, you know, they're like, we, we can't use the standard stuff. We're going to have to think out of the box. And a lot of stuff was kind of... Yeah, it, was, it was, you know, good. You, you can find some good comic books from the 50s, you know. But there's just no real violence and... Yeah, yeah. It's... And superheroes were out. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they sort, of, sort of, towards the late 50s, DC sort of came back on the scene with, uh, they, they started again, they started a series called Showcase, and they brought back a new version of The Flash, they brought a new version of Green Lantern, and that sort of, this was like the 19, mid to late 1950s, and it sort of kicked off again. And Where do you sit on the Green Lantern? See, I saw a yes. cartoon with him during the week, uh-huh. and he, he just sort of like, you had a ring on, uh-huh. And then he just, like, he uh, wanted to get the bad guy, so his ring turned into a steam train. Correct. And the steam train ran over the bad guy. Yep. And then he, and Batman was there, and Batman was falling, so he he got this, made his <laughs> ring go into a green nets. box. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, a mitt. Oh. And, and then that turned into an elevator, and the yep. elevator came up in the air, just through the air, uh-huh. and went ding at the top of the building. Yeah. It was, you know... 
a little much. You're yeah, so so explain I did, that. I, I didn't, I didn't, en- I didn't enjoy him. What do you think about him? <laughs> I look, I'm, I have no objection to a character who can do anything. Like even, a, even a you know a Superman from back in the day who could throw a planet about, as long as they're paired up with a villain who you can know, who, do who, the same. Who is yeah? Who is who can counteract them? Who's got right. you know? I like Greenland. I think he's an interesting character. Yeah. yeah, it's just. I mean, there's been no. I mean, it was a cartoon. I was about to say, yeah. very cartoony. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit unrealistic. Yeah. <laughs> um. A bit far fetched. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So, so basically, it was it was you know nineteen maybe you know the the late the late fifties early sixties and so Martin Goodman who owned Timely Comics which you know he had since renamed Marvel Comics he's like all right I'm I'm this trend follower I'm this this guy let's give superheroes a try again. And so he got. I thought he was going to make the Super Beatles or something because it's the sixties. Oh yes, getting on the oh, bandwagon. I bet mm. that happened. So what did he decide to do instead of Beatles? Oh, instead, what he did is he went, okay, uh, Stanley, Jack Kirby, you got to you got to put something together for us. And and this is where so Stanley and Jack Kirby have been have, uh, sort of lauded as this incredible team, and they created amazing stuff. But every time you like anyone either of them did an interview about you know them creating these amazing characters their like their their explanations of what happened are always completely completely different so like um so jack kirby had always said so they're like okay you're going to come with this this amazing new idea and jack kirby came in to uh, Jack Kirby, who'd, who'd left uh, Marvel many years ago, but he was sort of working as, as a freelance basis, he'd be like, he's like, I kind of forgive you guys, I'll come back for a little bit and I'll just see what I can come up with. So he comes in, uh, like the early 60s, and they're like, again, they're moving out furniture, they're like taking desks out, they're like, this is over. Wow, and he, they yeah. really invest a lot in their furniture, don't they? <laughs> just solid gold desks, yeah, solid gold filing Quality cabinets. antiques. Yeah, right? Not emotionally, though, because at the drop of the hat, they're selling it all. <laughs> right? Get it out. Yeah. So, so he says, he comes in, and he sees Stanley. He's sitting on a chair. He's crying. He doesn't know what to do. He's Sadly, like, like he's this kid, and he's you know, he's been really given all softly. these jobs to do, and he, and he you know he he can't save this company on his own kind of thing. And he goes up to Stanley and he says, "Okay, go to Martin. Tell him stop moving the furniture out. I'll do something. I'll see that the books make money. Like I'll I'll get this company back on the in the blacks single handedly kind of thing, right? And then he single handedly creates." the characters and the plot of the first issue of the Fantastic Four, like this... So he made all four of the characters. According to him. But so so Stan Lee has a completely different version of the story. Oh. Basically, he says that Martin, t- Martin Goodman told him that he noticed that one of uh, DC's comics had been selling really well, the Justice League of America, and it's a team of superheroes. And he's like, okay, if the Justice League is selling... Why don't we put out a team of superheroes? <laughs> that sounds right? like Martin Goodman to me. Right, exactly, totally right. Yeah, and so Stanley's like, well, I don't want to just create some swill, so I'll just I'll I'll create a super team such as comic game has never known. Like that that he, he's the showman, right? And he's and he's like, okay, their characters they're fallible, they're feisty, they're 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 colorful, they've they've got you know they're colorful, but they still have feet of clay. Like they're they're these realistic kind of characters, right? And so according to him, he created. The Fantastic Four out of nothing. Who do you believe? <sighs> look, look, look. Uh, I, I mean, we'll, 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 Stanley. Stanley's always been the showman. He's been the PT Barnum kind of of these of these characters always. And the the thing that Marvel pioneered is this thing they call the Marvel method of of creating stories. So and and this sort of came about because again Stanley was this one guy, he was this editor in chief at this company and he he's he's churning out these dozens of stories and according to him like somebody had come up to him and go, "Okay, I've got to, I've got to write the new issue of this. What's the, what's the plot going to be?" 
you know, I need the script. And Stanley would just go, okay, just, um, okay, it's going to be this, it's going to be this character, this villain, and uh, he's going to be robbing a bank, and the good guys are going to come in, and they, th- this is going to happen, and then, uh, you know, they're going to stop him and put him in jail. Okay, go draw it. So right? like, that's the form- formula. That's, that's the formula, basically. So, uh, you know, the, then the artist would just go away, and he would draw whatever he wanted, and then he'd give it back to Stanley, and Stanley would draw in some, write in some dialogue, and then that was the finished issue. And, like, this was very much a double-edged sword because some artists were like, okay, this is amazing. I don't have to look at a script and go, okay, page one, panel one, you see this guy, and then page one, panel two, you see, and he's looking out a window, and page one, panel three, blah, blah. He can just go, okay, I want to draw an amazing battle scene. I can do it in 10 panels. I can do it in 20 panels. I can do it in just one giant panel. I can do, you know, whatever I want. But at the same time, in a way, you're, the artist is also writing the story. And Stanley was always, Stanley would always insist when he create, you know, when he put out a, a series that it would say written by Stanley and drawn by Steve Ditko or what have you. But in a lot of cases, it should have said written by Stanley and Steve Ditko, yeah. illustrated by Steve Ditko. And so... It sounds a bit like a band making a film clip and then like a director and then going, hey, here's the music video. And then you're like, all right, I'll bust out some chords to it. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. I'm trying to match to it. Mm. And can I just ask quickly before yes. you do go on about uh, Jack Kirby and Stan Lee? Uh-huh. Are either of them drawing the original... They claim to create these characters. Uh-huh. Are they f- fantastic artists themselves? Jack Kirby's an amazing artist. He, he, so well, he actually, yeah, he was. He, this is what the thing looks like. Or yeah, absolutely. He he he, illust- you know, came up with the designs for all these characters. Yeah, cool. He was he was there was a there was a editor of the X Men called Louise Simonson in the eighties, and she described him as the Picasso of comic books of American comic books. Like he's the he's got he's got this. It's a very specific style. It's very stylized. Like it's not photorealistic by any stretch of the imagination, but it's got this amazing sort of dynamism, and it's got this you know this sense of movement, and it's. It's real, it's real good, guys. And what about does Stan Lee draw? Or no, he? no. I mean, you, you, you. People they will unearth a sketch from time to time, but he's not a he's not an artist. No, he's an ideas man. Mm. Ideas I don't know. Man. I feel like uh, if you want to be Kirby, sounds like the the full package. Right, right. To me, but yeah. So like, but um, I mean, never that. So that was sort of the we're talking about Fantastic Four, but that was sort of the that was sort of the. Um, the way it went every time, like uh, there'd be, you know, Stanley had this charming account of how he, you know, he come with these amazing, colourful characters, and we save the day, kind of thing. And Kirby's like, they wanted a character to do this, so I made this <laughs> kind of thing, right? And 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 it, it uh, you know, it turned out in I think maybe two thousand and nine, Jack Kirby's estate, his family said, look, he he co-created all these characters. It's always said created by Stanley or what have you, but look, we need, we would like some of the money, you know, you've. You've made a billion dollars off this kind of stuff. We would, you know, and there was a settlement out of court, so it's under terms that are considered quite generous. But we don't know what they are. So, mm. we, couple, of, couple of filing cabinets. We believe yeah. <laughs> now that he's dead. Yep. Um, and he can't get anything that he deserved. Right. We want it. I don't know about that. Yeah. So I feel like I feel like Stan Lee deserves it more than you, who had nothing to do <laughs> yeah, with it. Right. Uh-huh. You're right. At least, at least Stan Lee was in the mm-hmm. building. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so so the Fantastic Four hit the stands and this and it blew people away again. It was like Superman. It's something they'd never seen before because like to so this Stanley point, was right. Yeah, yeah. So to to you know when you when prior to this when you thought of comic books, and most a lot of comic book characters were like they were a millionaire playboy and they just decided on a lark to become a superhero kind of thing. Right. And they talked like people didn't talk and they acted like people didn't act and that kind of thing. But sort of this was these were kind of characters who. They talked like real people, and they quabbled, they, they, you know, they, they quabbled amongst themselves. 
you know, one month they'd be saving the Earth from the alien an alien invasion, and then the next month they'd nearly be evicted from their house because they couldn't pay the rent. It was that kind of, you know, it was it was ama- you know these amazing fantastical stories, but it was also kind of this these relatable characters. Right. Um, it's funny because you know I think because I I've never read the comics and stuff. Uh-huh. The way I understand all, all these characters is based on like how the movies have been perceived. So oh, sure, to, yeah. to me, Fantastic Four are like a super lame thing. The Fantastic Four of all, the Fantastic Four in film have always been this bitter disappointment to me because it's it's such an amazing world and it's such an iconic part of the Marvel universe. Again, they kicked off this sort of in, the incredible universe, and every movie that has been produced has kind of been it's they've either been just okay or they've been atrocious. Right. Like the last one, uh, directed by a guy called Josh Trank, and which was messed with by the studios very significantly, is just a train wreck and there were a couple uh in the in the 2000s which were they were fine they were kind of dumb but they were you know they they were kind of fun and there was one in 1994 uh directed by roger corman who famous b-movie director that was never released because it's it's that bad i think i've seen a clip of it yeah on youtube or something Uh maybe and it yeah it looked look a lot of people have said i I thought i thought there was a thing about whoever the studio is needs to release it a certain amount of times to keep the Correct. license or something? Yeah, that, we'll, we'll probably get to that in a sec. But yeah, that Marvel have a history of, up until very recently, uh, giving away their characters for very unfavorable terms to them. Right. Like Again, it's this filing cabinet thing. It's to make a quick buck. Yeah. They're like, okay, you can have the character, you can have it forever. Just give us a little bit of money so we can stay afloat. And, oh, God. Mm, Anyway, so yeah, so the Fantastic Four really kicked things off. They it really started like this movement happening. I think Stan Lee said uh, at the time before they did Fantastic Four, they might have gotten you know they, an issue got released and they might have gotten a letter that said you know I bought one of your comics and the staple came out. I want my dime back, kind of thing. And they would take the letter and they would put it up on the wall and go fan fan mail, kind of thing. Yeah. But you know after this actual fan mail and people going look, I really relate to this. Uh, you know, it's, it's great. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, and so and so I this can't kick- wait for our hate mail to turn into fan mail. <laughs> right. That'll be a great day. <laughs> anyway, so they, so they kicked it off, and it was just you know then then after that it was you know Lee and Kirby and Steve Ditko who created a whole bunch of just these amazing characters. So they uh, you know Hulk, Thor, the Avengers, Ant Man, uh, Spider Man. Uh, so that was uh, Stanley and Steve Ditko, and that again this was kind of a revolutionary character because again it's not a it's not a he's not a millionaire he's not a you know, this this idle playboy who just wants to, you know, have a bit of fun. He's a teenager, which up until this point, you you wouldn't find a superhero who was a teenager. They were always the sidekick. But it was like, okay, he's a t- hey, teenagers, this is a character like you. They're a- who's, which, who's the teenager? Uh, Peter Parker, Spider-Man. Spider-Man's a teenager. Yeah, yeah, Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man, the- Man, exactly, oh, interesting. yeah. So he, he spider adolescent. Yeah, he was this teen, and he mm. wasn't. He wasn't. You know, he wasn't again like a like a DC hero, kind of infallible character. He was kind of. He's kind of a jerk. He uh, in his initial appearance, he um, you know he shows off his powers on TV, and he just blows off his admirers like who cares? You kind of thing. He lets a criminal just run past him because he's like, not my job to stop that guy, kind of thing. And that Fact. criminal later goes on to kill his uncle, and then he realizes, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. That that kind of classic line. Oh, um, that's from that's from Spider Man. That's from Spider Man. I I think it's from something else originally. Maybe some sort of philosopher. But most ninety nine percent of the population, <laughs> yeah. including myself, <laughs> yeah, Peter Parker. I fully yeah. bought that it was just. Oh, that's a Spider Man. No, but it is. That's that, that that's the lesson he learned. And I think you know people really related to that. I think because he, even though he was this guy who climbed the walls and you know lift a lift a truck or whatever, he couldn't. He had problems and he that he just couldn't punch them away. And that's 
that's real people. You can't just punch your problems away. Right. Yeah, I've learned that the hard way. Mm. I haven't seen any Spider-Man, so I don't know much about him. I just thought he was like, yeah, I thought he was just the... Web-slinger. Web, web-slinging. Uh-huh. I didn't know he could lift cars. Oh, he's super strong. Yeah, right. Uh, so, and, and again, Spider-Man, the creation of Spider-Man is basically the most disputed story. Uh, oh, no. Stan Lee coming yeah, Sta- in and taking Stan the role. Stan Lee's like, okay, one, t- you know, he's... He saw a spider and he thought, "Oh, the amazing powers that the, you know that a man could have if he was given the gift of the spider." Or he's like, "Oh, I thought, uh, you know, I saw there was a pulp, you know, a pulp hero called like the Shadow called the Spider, and I remembered him." And then I'm like, "What would that look like in the modern era? What kind of, you know, what kind of character would that be?" Kind of thing. But then uh, Steve Ditko has said in the past, Stanley just came up with a name, and every other aspect was him. Right. So, how about some sort of Spider Man? Yeah. Right, exactly. And then everyone else, yeah. and, and the dick goes like, "All right, I'll make another one." And, make, <laughs> yeah. uh, and the the additional wrinkle is that Jack Kirby then said, "Oh no, actually, I came up with everything, and I gave it to those two. Right. So it was oh. it was it was me. It's incredible, but it, I I believe that because memory is is so fallible, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's it's very possible that they all fully believe their memories. That's true. Well, they say, you know, the, the more you... If you keep telling... A, maybe if you keep telling a lie, eventually you start believing yeah. that it's true. That maybe eventually they were like... Maybe they're like, I'm, I have to tell people I created it. And eventually they're like, no, I did. Yeah, I did. Like, I'm pretty it. sure I did. Mm. Yeah, I did. Definitely yeah. did. And does it, uh, do they start claiming it once they start making lots of money? Is that often, often the way? Or the way it worked back then is that you create the character... And you just get paid a wage, so you yeah, don't even but get... back in the day, up until very recently, every kind of comic book creator, every publisher hired people work for hire. So if you right. created Spider-Man... Whilst working for them. You, they own Spider-Man. You oh. got paid your day rate, you know, 50 awesome. bucks a day. Yeah, that's $50 for the day. But yeah. oh my if we God. make $5 million next year, you don't get a cut. Well, exactly, yeah. Shit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so... And again, uh, there were so many of these. You know, they created this amazing universe, and eventually Kirby quit again. And he went to work for DC. And he, he immediately created a character uh, called Funky Flashman, <laughs> who was a very, very thinly veiled version of Stan Lee, who was just this flashy <laughs> businessman who never created anything and just rode on the coattails of other people. And then he, like, you know, he would, he would trick the superhero. Like, he didn't have a, He wasn't a superpowered villain, but he would trick the heroes into, you know, making terrible mistakes kind of thing. And so, What's his name? Super? That's great. Funky Flashman. Flash yeah. How'd you forget that? That's yeah. the only thing I've written down. No, I thought uh-huh. that he should be called Super Funky Flashman in right. my mind. And all the readers are like, God, this sucks what he's thinking. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, Stan Lee. That's right. But yeah, and, and so through the 60s and the 70s, I guess Marvel's greatest trick was this... Well, the, the greatest innovation was probably the shared universe. On the one hand, it was great to have this amazing shared universe and all the characters could interact and they, could all, they all lived in New York and they'd all have... You know, they'd, they'd, they'd clash and they'd be friends and et cetera, et cetera. But also at the same time, business-wise, it was amazing because if you wanted to know what had happened to this character before you encountered the other character, you'd have to read their book. Right. And then maybe they'd team up. And if you loved Spider-Man and he was meeting the Fantastic Four, you'd have to read that issue of Fantastic Four that he was in. Otherwise, you wouldn't understand what happened in the next issue of Spider-Man. Right, yeah. I, I think that's the thing that's got me into it. I, I love, like... I've only really got into any of this sort of stuff in the, like, leading up to the Avengers movies. You uh-huh. know, that whole series of Captain America's and the Iron yeah. Man ones. I think it was one of the Iron Man ones that was the first thing that got me into the whole uh-huh. comic uh, book superhero thing. Uh-huh. And that's what I, I think that's why I love it the most. I don't think I've loved any of the movies really individually. Okay, I just love sure. how they all come together and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they all, in Marvel, they all live in New York City, which would be, which is a great idea for them, I guess. Uh-huh. 
Whereas you've got in DC, yep. you've got someone in Gotham, uh-huh. the, the Batman. Correct. <laughs> over in Metropolis, you have, you've got you Superman, have Superman yeah. and then you've, you've probably got other ones as well. You do. The, uh, yeah, Don the Mariner. Interesting fact for you. Uh, the DC Universe Earth is slightly larger than the regular Earth. So, so five percent larger. So, so the Marvel Universe Earth is the same size as our Earth, but DC Universe Earth is slightly larger because it contains all the regular cities plus additional fake cities. Right. So it contains Gotham and Metropolis and Opal City. I've never thought about Star City. Are they in America? Oh no, they're all in America. Yes. So if you're a citizen of Gotham, you are an American citizen. Yes. Oh right, I never. I just never thought about it. Uh Yeah, I I just assumed. Yeah, because they've got the American accents and stuff. Mm. Cool, but back to Marvel. Oh, back to Marvel. Um, So superheroes are back. Yeah, it feels like it's good time, bad time, good time, bad time. Yeah, Yeah, it goes back and forth. Cowboys and uh, horror is out. (laughs) It's it's right out again. Potentially Uh, illegal. Let me check my timeline. Oh, timelines are very important in uh, I know, exactly right. Let me see. Uh, in 1986, uh, the company that owned Marvel was liquidated. Uh, it was sold to uh, New World Pictures. Again, that's Roger Corman's company. So the, the famed B-movie director. I think that's how the, uh, the whole Fantastic Four situation oh, so came he about. Started, he owned Marvel for a while. He did, yeah. Or his company did. And he rate. still only did B-movies. Yeah, right. Weird, huh? Well, wow. But, but, but superhero movies weren't even big in the 80s. Yeah, they... Were, they there were a few attempts back in the day, but they never really amounted to anything. Was um, Batman the first big one? It was, yeah, I think it was. I mean, there was there was a few attempts. Um, also, I mean, Superman had a that yeah, was that's pretty true. Big. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people look at those fondly. I don't care for them so much, but yeah, I find um, it boring. Just even, I haven't even been able to watch it. Yeah, uh, in 1989, the company was bought by Ronald Perelman, who um, he owned. He was an executive at Revlon, the makeup company. But his company bought Marvel, uh, and he just he bought what, it for fun. Well, he bought it. I think he saw there was a there was a big boom in the late eighties, early nineties in comic books. Uh, people our age will probably remember there was like a big speculator boom, because there were like these there were these hot new creators of comic books. There were these new guys, the names like Todd McFarlane and Jim Lee. These guys who were kind of like. These guys are the new Lee and Kirby. These are the guys... Jim Lee related to Stan Lee? Completely unrelated. Okay. So so basically, there was this era, late 80s, early 90s, where there were these new guys, and they, they, you know, they were amazing artists for their time. Or they had like this very late 80s, early 90s art style that was you know, very dynamic and was you know, great for the time. And again, the, the, this, was, this was a point where, again, they were selling a million copies of everything. Wow. There was a, there was a new uh, issue of Spider-Man. This guy, Todd McFarlane... Uh, he was he was the artist on Amazing Spider-Man, and they gave and he, it was selling so well. They gave him uh, just his t- you know, just a new Spider-Man book was just called Spider-Man, like it was the definitive one, and it sold 1.3 million copies or something like that. It was like this huge seller. And now 30,000 is huge. Yeah, yeah, we're we're approaching a crash. See if you see if you see it coming. Um, and so basically, there were these amazing creators, and people were like, oh, okay, so. These guys are going to create the action comics number one of the of the future. So we've got to get in here. We've got to get all their number ones, and and we'll hold on to these and we'll be millionaires. Oh, so people started collecting them. Yeah, they, yeah. people collect. Doesn't work like yeah, that. Yeah, people guys. people collected. They would collect one to. Uh, they'd collect one to to read and one to save. Like one they'd read and one they'd put in like a like a plastic bag with a board in it, and it would you know they put in a hermetically sealed vault. And they'd be like, that's... But then, they, again, everybody failed to realise that if you're Everyone's printing a million copies yeah. of it, then this this timeline of when it's going to be worth something is 
going to go out to 100 yeah, yeah, years. Yeah, beyond your lifetime. Beyond yeah. your lifetime, exactly. And and then, these again, these creators, uh, yeah, they were huge. And so this, this guy, he spent $82 million on Marvel. So he bought Marvel for his company. The Revlon Man? The Revlon Man. Man, he, he must be very rich. Yeah, he's, he's, if he held on to it. He's a very rich man. He's worth like $12 billion now, this guy. Uh, and he, he, uh, yeah, he, he then took the, 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 the idea of Marvel and he, and he was like, okay, we're going to buy a trading card company and we're going to buy a toy company and we're going to buy like a, like a sticker company. We're going to buy, you know, we're going to buy these video game properties. We're going to buy all this sort of stuff. And he spent like $700 million on, on the, you know, this Mar- all this stuff for Marvel. Yeah. And then the stock prices went up for Marvel and he got out fairly quickly. Uh, and oh, then he left. And he, I think he made $800 million oh, on, right. on Marvel and then people left to pick up the pieces because very quickly afterwards, people were like, again, people realized, oh, if we've all, if we've got a million copies of this, <laughs> it really got to wait for nine hundred ninety. He, he sounds to... kind of like an evil genius. An evil genius in a way, right? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah sounds like exactly. a funky, funky man, funky yeah, flash man, a real funky flash man, real uh, um, Joker. Yeah, and so yeah, another so, bad guy from the from the comic yeah. worlds. His trick was he basically went to his investors and he went. Okay, so uh, there are all these collectors out there, and they're willing to pay more money, and they're going to buy more product because they're going to buy one, to, you know, one to keep and one to read, and blah blah blah. And you know, we'll release, we'll release an issue, and it's sealed up, and it's got a trading card in it, and there's six different trading cards, and so people would oh, have, no, to, people buy have to buy all six, but they have to oh, buy what twelve. They have to buy at least six, right? Otherwise, there's no guarantees, right? And so he's like, okay, we'll do that, and then. So the investors, you know, the people invested heavily because they're like, oh yeah, this guy's got, this guy knows what's what he's talking about. This guy knows what's up. And then, and he kept promising, okay, they'll buy more, they'll buy more, they'll pay more, they'll buy more, kind of thing. And eventually, it ruined it. Yeah, they eventually ruined it. People were like, people did people catch were, on? They're yeah, like, well, like, I don't want to buy six yeah, of the same comic. Yeah, Fuck burned you. out. Like you know, you'd, there'd be an issue of Spider Man, and it had six different covers on it, and you had to, you know, if you wanted to collect. And people were just like, well, I don't, I just want the story, and I don't care about all these hologram covers and these metal foil covers and what have you. And eventually, people just stopped buying. And so, Marvel was in this situation where they were just producing a million copies of everything. And getting hundreds of thousands of copies back because people weren't buying them, and they'd built this distribution network to to put everything out there, and they owned this toy toy biz, this toy company that were producing action figures that weren't selling or what have you, and then it all just sort of came time. Marvel kind of took the comic book industry with it, in a way, like because they had this distribution network that kind of collapsed, and right. it was all. And so they ended up with a lot of debt, and so in 1996 they filed for bankruptcy. So we're we're back we're back at the start, basically. So that's selling filing cabinet. Yeah. Filing cabinet. So yeah, uh, what a loose unit. But a bloody loose unit. Um, interestingly, um, the the bankruptcy voided Stanley's contract with Marvel, and so he went back to negotiate with Marvel, and he he actually said, okay, the the, the contract he negotiated, I think it. It was secret for a long time, but he negotiated. Uh, he got eight hundred thousand dollars a year just for being the figurehead of Marvel. Good. He got um, he got a, like a pension for his wife of like maybe half that a year, and he also got ten percent of profits from all their TV and movie projects. So that what? was his. Well, see, here's the thing. So um, see, that's worth like a lot more than eight hundred thousand right. dollars. So, a year. Ba- so basically, yeah. what happened from this point? Again, this this is nineteen ninety six, and again they're selling the filing cabinets. Their stuff's going out the door, and so basically what happened is they went, okay, there are people sniffing at the door. We'll sell off some of our 
properties to movie companies. That's how we'll get some money back and we'll make money off merchandising. It's going to be great. So they started selling stuff off. They sold Blade, we mentioned before, to New Line Cinema. And Blade, Blade made the, they made the movie with Wesley Snipes. That made $70 million profit and Marvel got $25,000. Like, that's their... Oh, and was, Kirby's like, sweet, two and yeah, a half right. grand. Oh, he, he was... I mean, Lee, pardon me, Stan Lee, yeah. it's the 10%. Uh, uh, Jack, quick note, Jack Kirby died in 1994. Supposedly... Oh, so did he die when they were back on top? Heart. Looking yeah, good? Yeah, in a world... Well, no, so he went out going, good night. Yeah, I guess... I think he might have been just as they were hitting a nosedive, I think. Maybe, right. and, and he's like, good. Yeah, I imagine he would have yeah. been happy. Supposedly, Suck Stan it. Lee and, Jan- and Jack Kirby were at a comic convention in 1994 and they had a reconciliation. But is, this, is this according to Stan this Lee? This is according to Stan right. Lee. It sounds like so fan no, fiction. Yeah, so there's no, there's no other confirmation of that. Um, so they only made, so their deal was very bad with the Blade movie then. Yes, and so they and they kept doing this. So they saw, again they sold X Men to Fox. They sold oh. Fantastic Four. They sold off uh, Spider Man to Sony. And essentially, what happened is they they were making some bad decisions, and then they also put in there must have been some sort of perpetuity clause where if you keep making movies every couple of years, you get to re- retain ownership of these properties. So, th- which is why they made they made three Spider Man movies. Then there was a little break. Then they made two more Spider Man movies. And while they keep making X Men movies, and they keep trying to make a Fantastic Four movie, even though they're terrible. And so they kept doing this, and eventually... Um, a give, ta- give Fantastic Four back. You've had your chance. Yeah, I know. Uh, my dream is that they sell the rights back to Marvel, and every... Who can now afford it? Yeah, exactly. And every year, Marvel makes one, and they let the other guys make one as well. Right. And so we get a really good one, and we get a terrible one every year. That's kind of my dream. I would like to see that happen. I just, I just want every... I feel like, I feel like um, uncomfortable yes. that Marvel doesn't have... All their own things it makes me feel gross, you know. Like right, right. It's like it's <laughs> needed to be complete and all. Yeah, I feel bad about it too. It just makes me feel awkward. Mm. And it also, in, they also, in a way, at the time, they sold off their biggest pro. In, in in a way, it's been kind of a positive. I mean, okay. because they sold, <laughs> sell that to us. Well, they they sold off their A list stuff. They sold off the X Men. They sold off Spider Man. And they went off and they did some. You know, they did some okay business. You know, some some of the Spider Man movies are super fun and, and what have you. But then they've had to go, well, we have to do this. Basically, what happened is there, there was a guy called David Maisel who was a, a talent agent, and he basically came up to them independently, and, they, and he was like, why, do you, why are you doing this? Like, why are you... I have some connections. I will... Like, you should make your... You should produce your own movies and get all the money, yeah. and I'll, I'll help you make that happen kind of thing. And the pitch was they went to uh, a company called Merrill Lynch, which is like a financial services company, and they, they basically said... We have all these. Pro- we have. We. Um, we're going to give you ten comic book properties, like some of our great characters, and give us half a. Bi- give us five hundred million dollars. We will make that money back, and we will give you that money with interest. But if we don't, you can have these characters. Like we will right. give up these characters forever, kind of thing. Well, that's their collateral. Yeah, Captain America. They gave them uh, the Avengers: Nick Fury, Black Panther, Ant Man, Doctor Strange, Hawkeye. A couple of other, couple of a couple of others that I guess were thrown in just to see if anyone was paying attention. Uh, Power Pack. Cloak and Dagger and Shang-Chi, the Master of Kung Fu. Okay, I don't... Was, no exactly, nobody knows who they are. No, right. That was, that was, I think that was just the, the two. Uh, actually, like, paying attention. there's three posters on my wall, and one of them is Shang-Chi, <laughs> the master Kung, of Kung Fu Master. And Power Pack. Yeah. Power Pack, and then also Yellow Boy. Yeah. And eventually, and so they... Kid. Yeah. And so, the, the, for me, the good thing about this is they went, okay, well, what... We're going to put these characters up, and we're going to, you know, we're going to front them, and we're going to get this money, and we're going to make some movies. And they were like, okay, well, what characters do we have left? We don't have Spider-Man. We don't have X-Men. Right. What... Can we get some B-list characters and bring them to the front, maybe? And so, they right. took... You know, Iron Man, who, who, as a kid, was my favorite character, but 
nobody ever like when when the Iron yeah, Man yeah, trailer like, came out, people were like, "Is this guy a robot? What's what's this guy's deal? Who even knows?" Kind of thing. Yeah, that's funny. I and that made that was. made five hundred eighty-five million dollars. So that immediately made them all their money back, plus a little more. Yeah, they they, they created Marvel Studios, which is their own producing company, and they kind of so kicked everything off. So Captain America was already big, big, but Iron Man wasn't. Correct. Um, Thor. No. Not big? As a mythological character, sure. But yeah, yeah, but not as a... The mighty Thor, no. No, right. No. Yeah, see, I just assume they're always big. So, right, okay, yeah. So they're all... That makes sense. So they were, they were just like, oh, we do what we can with these guys. Yeah. And, and then, then I know that Guardians of the Galaxy was like something that I'd never heard of, and I don't think like yeah. the layman would, would have known them. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a group of characters that have been around for a very long time, and it's sort of B-list characters who exist off in space, and... Yeah, I read about them at the time. There's like a few different formations of them. There was yeah. one in the 60s or something. Yeah, there was one in the 60s. There was one, there was a team set in the 30th century and there's some modern era ones and sometimes they meet and sometimes they cross over and yeah, et cetera. Yeah. And yeah, it's kind of a mess, but they've really, you know, they've, they've gotten people who, who love the form and, and love those characters and, and trying to make the best characters they can. And I think they've really, they've really nailed it. So you reckon, yeah, maybe, it, maybe it's true that if they had all of their own characters initially... Yeah, maybe they wouldn't have had to have worked for. To work yeah, for maybe it. it wouldn't have been as good. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's certainly that's certainly a thing. How about what's the, the Hulk steal? I always find that confusing. There's many Hulk films, sometimes two in the same year, uh-huh. from different oh. different yeah. like Eric Banner is one, and then uh, Edward Edward Norton, Norton is the, Edward the Norton, other the yeah. next year. Like, and uh, are there those Marvel made? Well, the Edward yeah. Norton one is from the current universe. Yes, it I think. Is. Yeah, that's uh, the. I mean, what they've done now is Marvel again of pioneering the shared universe in the comic books. They've then created a shared universe on screen which is again a very canny move because sometimes you can watch them independently but if you want to get the full picture you do have to watch every single one and then maybe buy them on DVD and watch them again and the before post the next credit one comes scene. out there's a po- exactly in the what they did is they created they released Iron Man and then they cre- they released the Incredible Hulk with Ed Norton and at the end of that there was a post credit sequence where Robert Downey Jr as Iron Man shows up at the end and is like hey look at this we're all in the same universe how about that kind of thing yeah. and yeah that kind that kind of kicked it off again so originally the pr- the plan for the Incredible Hulk was to have Mark Ruffalo, but then the studio insisted on Edward Norton. And then Edward Norton was apparently such a pain to work with. Right. They got rid of him and he didn't want to come back anyway. And so they were like, well, Ruffalo's in. And now he's the Hulk. So yeah, the Eric Banner one was unrelated. Yeah, that, um, yeah, they, they redid the origin in The Incredible Hulk. So it's, yeah. it's slightly different. You can include it if you want, you know. Okay. Yeah. Mm. I choose not to. Okay, great. <laughs> Goodbye, Banner. Mm, yeah. oh, no, I, I haven't. I haven't seen. I haven't seen that one. I, f- I don't find that. Well, the Incredible Hulk's was definitely a bigish character, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. He was a. He was a. Uh, they had, he had his own series in the a TV series in the sixties. Yeah. With, with Bill Bix. Maybe, maybe not the sixties. The eighties. Uh, what was his? Na- what's the main guy's uh, name? Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno. Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. He's still famous as the Hulk. I think I've heard of yes, him. Yes, he is. He, um, in different things. From time to time, he will be the voice of the Hulk in maybe an animated series. He's the voice, I think, in in the Avengers, the the first it's, Avengers. Isn't, movie. isn't the voice just a lot of? He speaks every once in a while. Right. And, and when Hulk he does, smash. yeah, and when he does, they're like, "Get Lou Ferrigno in." You know? Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. Oh man, I want to know so many things. Uh huh. Um, at the it's end question of, time. Here we go. End of one of the movies. There's the um, the duck. <laughs> Howard the duck. Howard the duck. Correct. Is that going to be a movie? Almost certainly no. They tried that in the eighties. There was a Howard the duck movie. I, I saw it oh, in the eighties. Yeah. I reckon. Yeah. Tell me what, what's Howard the duck? Uh, Howard the duck is a um, he's a humanoid duck. He's from a uh, parallel universe. He knows quack foo. 
which is a form of martial arts. Uh, he wears a little suit and tie. Oh man! He's kind of a he's kind of a uh, very easily angered Donald Duck style character. He's had some very good comic book series, but uh, he's sort of considered box office poison because Steven Spielberg. It was, it was either Steven Spielberg or George Lucas made a movie. I think it was George. It must have been maybe. Lucas made a movie in the eighties. And it was just a weird-looking duck character, and it was a very bizarre. It looked film. like plucker duck sort of thing. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, like a real squat plucker duck, and it was very. It's cool. it's a very odd movie. And now I reckon you know how it, these things come in peaks and troughs. Mortgage the house, put it all on quack food. That is my. <laughs> right? that's, that's what I'm taking yeah. away from this episode. Um, and I saw I saw that I reckon as a kid. I yep. would have had absolutely zero idea. But yeah. it was from a... Like, I would have had zero idea what Marvel was. Right, but, yeah. And only until really just then did I put that all together. Oh. I wasn't... So that was already part... That duck... It wasn't some weird joke. That duck was from Marvel. Yes. Or it was a weird joke, and it, uh-huh. but it is from Marvel. Ugh. Yeah, he's been... What a, else do I want to know, Dave? I want to know what's everything. I want to know, does Stanley still get 10% of all the movies? No, here's the thing. Uh, in, I want to say, 2002, Stanley realised that... He wasn't being paid that ten percent from his movie earnings, and he went to he actually sued Marvel, and so and people refer to it it's like Colonel Sanders suing KFC yeah. in a way because he's he's the figurehead and he's suing his own company. But the 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 head of Marvel is a uh, is a guy called Ike Perlmutter, and he is notoriously cranky, which is very diplomatic uh, to say, and he doesn't like Stan Lee apparently. And so he's like, I don't understand why he gets paid every year for, you know, for doing nothing. I don't like him. He's I you know, I want him out of here kind of thing. And so he wasn't paying that that ten percent. And so uh Stanley sued Marvel. They settled out of court. Again, nobody knows the actual figure, but people uh the, the assumption is that he got paid ten million dollars and they said, But you're out. Like you can't we're gonna stop paying you and, and you don't get the way you don't at get all. The, you don't get the way, you don't get anything else, ten million bucks and you're out. Which in a way is still a lot of money. In, in, a, in, a way, yeah, right? in a way, in a way, in a way, especially when gonna... at, at that time, what he's in his early eighties, and he's like, "Well, I probably won't be around that much longer." Right, right, <laughs> right yeah. Uh, is there any chance they're gonna bring everything back together? Bring all the because so there's Sony, yep, Fox, Fox, and another one. Yeah, New Line. There's there's been a couple of others. Um, we have gotten a few characters back. So Daredevil was originally. I think Daredevil was given to Sony as well, and Elektra, which is the spin-off from Daredevil, and they produce some terrible movies, quite quite terrible movies, and they have been purchased back. Okay. So Daredevil got his own series on Netflix. Um, the Punisher was purchased. He's come back as well. Spider-Man has come back for Civil War. So that's that's right. a ve- that that is a very significant negotiation. A lot of people, a lot of some people were like, well, "Who cares if Spider-Man's in this?" And it's because he's he, you know he's a quintessential part of that universe. And he hasn't been able to be in what people consider the best version of it, this Marvel Cinematic Universe. And now he's back, so people are is very that, excited. So it's only like, just give us a bit of money. Yeah, we don't. Again, we don't know the details, and we don't know. Is it a loner or? Yeah, they're going to do a Spider-Man solo movie. It's coming up soon. It's called Spider-Man: Homecoming, and Sony are making it, but they are they are scripting it and producing it with Marvel's approval. So, right, so it's so, in the universe, but Sony makes Sony's the money. Sony's still making it, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's complicated, but it's Isn't maybe it though, a yeah. good compromise. Yeah. I mean, and again, at this point, you know, the, the the final business stroke here, I guess, is that Disney were bought, uh, Marvel were purchased by Disney in two thousand and nine for four billion dollars. Right. So they are now they have Disney behind them. So if ultimately at this point, I think if Disney wants 
a character back, they will just give whoever owns it a billion dollars and say, we'd like it back, please. Right. So if they, if they think it's worth it. So it, at this point, I don't know, like some characters are kind of poisonous. Yep. Like the Fantastic Four, do they even want it back? It might, you know, they might need 10 years before people's the memory of that those characters are gone and they can give it another try. Yeah, just so. it seems like a corny thing. Mm, yeah. But what about what about the X-Men? Cuz that's a pretty successful yep. uh, cinematic universe as well. That's true. Um and quite well received too. Would you, would you call yeah. it a universe? I mean it's just one I mean they're just one I would thing. call it a universe. I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of spin-offs um and it's a it's a very strange continuity in that they keep resetting time and they keep you know, there'll be a character who's a teenager in the the 90s, but then he's also a teenager in the 60s, and there's... Oh, okay. It's, it's very odd, and but the at this point, the X-Men universe is kind of just watch the movie and have fun with it. Okay. We don't really care what the continuity is. But yeah, um, I think that one's going to be... That one seems quite tricky. There's a, there's a version... There's characters in the Marvel universe called the Inhumans, and they're kind of... I think Marvel are building them up to be the equivalent of the X-Men in in the cinematic universe. So if they can't get the X-Men, they're like, well, here's a, here's a backup. We'll right. use these guys as a backup. But, because uh, there's something about not being able to use mutants, right? Correct, yes. They are, like, whoever, whichever company that is, they bought mutants. They bought, yes, exactly, they did, yeah. So there's no way you could have Wolverine, but he's not a mutant or something? No, I don't... You... Otherwise, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't... So, uh, that, that's, a, that's a fun fact for you. That, um, so, Hugh Jack- uh, Wolverine was cl- created by a guy called Len Wein uh, as a villain for the Hulk. There was this period oh, of, right. of time where the Hulk, they're just like, okay, create a, we, need a vil- we need somebody to fight the Hulk, you know, this month and the next month and the month after that. And they just were like, okay, create a throwaway character. And they, Len, this guy, Len Wein, created Wolverine. And then many years later, at a, I think it was one, one of the Wolverine, you know, premieres, uh, Len Wein was invited to, you know, that premiere. And, and Hugh Jackman said, this guy, it's Len Wein, he created Wolverine. I owe my whole career to this guy. He's amazing. Take a bow. Everybody, you know, every, and everybody was like, woo, you know, he's, this guy's the best. And later Len Wein was like, I ought to prefer to check, if I'm honest with you. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Weenie. Come on. Come on, guys, you know. But uh, I don't know. I don't, it's, it's, all, it's all a mystery. All right. I'm, okay, I probably should stop asking questions eventually. What about, <laughs> but what about this? Yes. I, it sounds like you're about to pitch a comic idea. Here we what, go. A, what about this? Uh-huh. All right, so it's a part human, um, yes. part animal. No part, mutants. Part inhuman. Oh, good, good very word. good. Part, good part ghost, part funk man. Part, oh, and, yes. part android. Part shadow, part android. <laughs> He's part oh. shadow. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You know how, like, all the the most famous characters all seem to have a huge history, right? They uh-huh. all go back to the 30s or, uh-huh. or the 40s or the 50s or something. Yeah. Are there any iconic characters that have been invented in, say, our lifetimes? So, since the 80s or 90s? Yeah, or is there oh. no, no chance for new characters? Well, or do they just Yeah, not... you're right, because there was this huge burst of creativity. Yeah. And but they were just rehashing the old characters. Yeah, I, that's that's a good question. A lot of the X Men are modern, yeah. modern uh, created in the eighties. Um, I guess there's a lot of more independent characters that, like from like more indie creators, that are probably. Give me a second. I'm sure I can think of somebody. Because it's kind. Of, I think it's just like everything is like all movies in general. Uh-huh. It's just like old ideas being redone. Correct. Yeah. TV shows and everything. So yeah. I just yeah, it'd be feels like a new su- superhero character. It almost feel like well, that's just made up. Right. Give yeah, us exactly. a real one. Yeah, you give us a real one, like the ones that were we had when we were kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but it, it'd be cool if they could figure out how to do that. 
guys, I can't help you. I think it's well, maybe maybe one of our one of our fans, Cecil, uh, is a is a regular tweeter to us, and he, I hope there's he hundreds of people just, just yelling at modern era superheroes at us. I mean, there's there's a that lot of... I've heard of. That's the yeah, catch. no, see, that's the thing. Yeah, like, exactly. You can't just be like, oh, how about that? No. Yeah, I mean, again, a lot Marvel and DC are actually very good at introducing sort of more minor characters and superhero teams that do have a lot of appeal if you're already you know part of that you know you're, you're a big fan of that universe already and maybe it will take you know them being pushed into a marvel movie and and you know that that will be then they'll become an a-list hero but until right. then you know they're just they're just kind of middling you know they're good characters but they're not they're not blockbusters b players hmm. the b what about that is there such a character it's a seinfeld movie oh, yeah that's seinfeld. right yeah the yeah, B movie. B movie, yeah. 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 Nah. Everything's been done. Everything's mm-hmm. been done. Cool. Well, speaking well, of everything being done, well, this episode seems like it's pretty done. Thank you so we'll much. We'll turn off the mics anyway. I'm going to keep asking. Yeah, questions. yeah cool. we'll be asking questions yeah, all nice. night long. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. And it's only 4 p.m. So <laughs> yeah, it's a long night. Uh, thank you so much, Nick Meso. Meso, pleasure for schooling. I knew. I don't know. I, I'm not that. Up to date. Yeah, I want to be. I don't know. If, I, I still don't know if you're up to date. Can I now. ask you I bits and pieces? You obviously see the movies. This is the final question from me. Do yeah. you read comics? Not as much as I used to. Most of this knowledge has come from being a big fan of them in the '90s. Like it's it's that knowledge that won't leave my brain. Like, and in the '90s, would you go out and buy them from? Oh yeah, definitely. Comic book yeah. shop, yeah. right? And do you, again, did you keep any of those for when the trough becomes so no, I, deep? I, there's or so shallow. I do have a. I actually do have a Spider-Man number one. I do have the the Todd McFarlane Spider-Man number one. It's just the regular cover. It's not a fancy cover. It's bagged and boarded. So in what year is that from? Ninety. I want to say 93. 93, but wow. this is one of the 1 million that were made at the yeah, time. Yeah, so I'm going to wait 200 years and <laughs> wow, and after assuming nu- out all the other people have died. And once the nuclear fallout has uh, calmed yeah, down, the half-life I'll, of that. I am going to cash right in. But yeah, not so much anymore. I'll, I do like to get digital comics. You can just put them right on your iPad. That's good. Just to, just cool. to read. Yes. Not to take up space. Yeah, exactly. Apart right. from digital space. All right, I've got a couple more questions. I'm ready. Sorry about that. This feels like good wrapping up ones, though. Uh-huh. All right, so I reckon a lot of people listening probably don't know much about it. Uh-huh. Like, kind of like me and Dave, who kind of do but really don't. I think that's uh, what the, yeah, the average that, uh, person now, I reckon, knows a little bit because uh, the movies are so big. Mm. What is So your favorite character as a kid was Iron Man. Yeah. All right, here's a, a couple of parts, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Who's your favorite character now? Yep. All time? Uh-huh. What's your favourite uh, movie uh-huh. all time, and what would be your suggested movie to someone who is who hasn't seen anything? What uh-huh. would be the what's That's the best en- entry, entry level? level. Yeah. Good questions. Do you mean my favourite? When you say favourite character, do you mean just Marvel or anything? Marvel and everything. Oh, okay. It might still be Iron Man because he's a real arrogant jerk, but he's gotten there on the grit. He's gotten there on the grit of. Just he's got his grit and his tenacity and his genius and his parents' billions of dollars. Yeah. So that's pretty good, good for him. My favorite character of all time is a DC character called Starman, who is a character from the is a character from the fifties. But then his son took over the role. He was kind of a character. He wouldn't he wouldn't wear a costume, and he thought the whole thing was kind of dumb. Yeah. And he would rather negotiate his way out of a fight than actually fight. And he was wow. kind of it was it wasn't quite an ironic take, but it was kind of like a he it was like a a fan of comic books becoming a superhero kind of thing. And it was... It, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of it. And it had, like... It was 80 issues long, and it had, like, a very defined beginning, middle, and end. So it was, like, this saga. 
and you read the whole thing and it was finished and it was it was real good. Oh, I recommend oh, that. Oh man, can, I, I you like, can track that down. I like the idea of something having a start a finish. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. It's so it's so rare in the comic book world. My favorite if I think Civil War is actually very very good. I'm a big fan of that one. If you if you want to see just one Captain America the Winter Soldier, which is the second Captain America movie. That's him in the modern era uh, and it's it's a it's a great a lot of the Marvel movies are they're a genre film wrapped up like a superhero film. Because yep. just a superhero film can be kind of boring. Like, oh, they have an origin, and they fight a villain, and that's the end. So, you know, they're, 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 they can be kung fu movies, or they can be, you know, magic movies, or what have you, and they've just got this superhero trapping. But Captain America, The Winter Soldier, is this espionage movie that is wrapped up like a superhero movie. And it's very, very good. Action's great. It does have this super espionage-style uh, sheen to it. It feels like there's, there was a movie in the 70s called Three Days of the Condor, which had Robert Redford in it. This this spy movie. And it has the feel very much like that. And also Robert Redford is in The Winter right. Soldier. So it's, it's, a, it's a real good film. So that's, that's your best tip for, a, so, for yeah. new players. If you're a newbie, yeah, check that one out. Awesome. Mm. Thank you so much for coming in and being Jess Perkins. It's been a pleasure. Big shoes to fill. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, as <laughs> you know. Yeah. The deepest trough of all, am I right? Oh, you, you, very yellow jumper to fill. So yellow, yeah, yellow, 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 boy. yellow boy, yellow kid, yellow, yellow, yellow kid. kid, yeah, yellow kid. brought it all the way around. Oh, we definitely did. Thank yeah. you very much. If we would like to hear more of your weekly musings on, uh, oh sure, superheroes and the oh, like. you can uh, listen to the Weekly Planet. Myself and my friend James do this podcast every week, and we, we we talk about the the nerd news of the week, and then we'll pick some sort of uh, uh, topic, or we'll watch a movie and we'll review it, or we'll have a good old time. I might do a we might do a superhero showdown. Where people email in superheroes they want to fight, and we all determine definitively who the winner is. Oh, I mean, not definitively, but we're not really that invested in it. If I'm honest with you, no. <laughs> who would win between Matt and I? Oh, oh, it's a good question. That is a good question. It would be it would be a long and boring battle. But I think, look, I think Matt talking. is bigger. Yeah. But I think just the fact that you asked the question would suggest that you have a tendency to violence. You have the tendency to violence. You have the grit and determination. Yeah. I think you might win. Yeah. I mean that's probably true. Mm. Absolutely. Imagine getting beaten in a fight by a man who weighs as much as who? Paris Hilton? Is I weigh the same weight as Paris Hilton, that's right. Imagine. Well. Imagine. I can, I can imagine it. <laughs> well, if you donate to this show, imagine no more. That's right. We will start a Kickstarter for Matt and I to <laughs> fight to the death. Uh, thanks so much for listening, everyone. Um, you can suggest a topic. Thank you very much to Pete. Yes. Suggesting this topic. Um do go on pod at gmail.com if you're on the email. If you are on Facebook, we're at uh, .com slash do go on pod. And you can tweet us at do go on pod. We, uh, the hat is brimming with ideas. Love it. Yes. What's your Twitter again? You've got a great Twitter. Oh, I'm at Wikipedia Brown, which is a sweet reference from the 80s that nobody gets anymore. Oh. <laughs> like Encyclopedia, Encyclopedia Brown. Brown. Dave's got it. First one. Yes. Well done, Dave. Thank well you. Done. I'll win this fight after yeah. all. Uh, so, yeah, get in contact. Thanks so much for listening to the show. And we'll be back with the lovely trough-filled shoes that is Jeff's... Jess... We'll be Jeff. back. We'll be back with Jeff or Jess Perkins. We'll find someone if she doesn't make it back because she's such a comedy superstar these days. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, good night. Later. Bye.